Hello and welcome to Once Upon a Roll, a D&D podcast hosted by me, Rasputin, where I run a one-on-one session of D&D 5th edition with a new guest each episode uh, in the kingdom of Cortia, a homebrew setting I've been using for over five years. Wild. Uh, today I am joined by Ethan is online. Ethan, how you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, how might people know you online? Yeah, I mean, as my name indicates i am on the internet i make youtube videos and i tweet stuff <laughs> those are my big i'm also on twitch um mm-hmm. where we stream watching shane dawson and crying Doing all together yeah <laughs> yeah i'm trying to remember we must have just met in a stream yeah i think it's because i was streaming a lot with nick on youtube mm-hmm. and you would pop in a lot. Well, you were doing like Sekiro streams for a while. Bloodborne and Sekiro, yeah. So Nick was playing and you were kind of coaching. And yeah. I played Sekiro, D&D podcast, let's talk about Sekiro. <laughs> uh, I played it for like an hour and a half when it yeah. came out. And I was like, eh, oh, man. I, I just was not in the headspace. Yeah. You know, they're a big investment. And then I was watching your streams and I was like, all right, I'm going to give it another shot. And then I played like 40 hours yeah. in like five days. Oh uh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> it was pretty degenerate. What a good game. <laughs> right? 10 out of 10. Yeah, I'm always happy to talk about Sekiro because it's one of my favorite games ever. And I think the the use of the typical Miyazaki from soft narrative design in a more linear narrative was so refreshing mm-hmm. and so unique. And I really, really, really hope of all the from soft games, I hope that gets a sequel the soonest. Mm-hmm. Or something in like a spiritual successor, you know, it's Elden Ring or whatever. Yeah, see, that's the one thing I I, I had hoped that Elden Ring was more Sekiro than Dark Souls, but it was more mm-hmm. Dark Souls. Not, not even yeah, close. Yeah, not even close to Sekiro. There's a jump. Yeah, you there know? you can jump. You can be a samurai class, and that's about it. <laughs> I think the fact that there are these like area bosses that's very Sekiro, mm-hmm. just like a boss that you kind of randomly run into. I still think Sekiro has a better way of motivating you to fight those guys because then you get like the prayer bee that increases your health and you know yeah good game uh anyway to this game though what's in general your experience with dnd i've run campaigns and played campaigns both in person and online for the last like two years i think i started playing in like 2020 over the the pandemic i am very inspired when i run campaigns by berserk of course Mm -hmm. Um, the manga series because I'm I'm everything I do is inspired by Berserk. Sure, <laughs> like it fuels everything. But um, I think I just gravitated toward it naturally, being a big nerd and loving uh things like Dark Souls and Lord of the Rings and mm-hmm. I don't know if you know uh Cosmonaut Marcus of yep. the Variety Hour. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, his D and D podcast. I'm a big fan of both his Fifth Edition and his uh, Star Wars one. I, I used to listen to a lot. I've not listened to a lot of the podcast, but I've mm-hmm. watched his D and D videos. And uh, yeah, same. He's a great ambassador to the game. I think totally. I mean, I've watched a lot of his videos in general, but especially his D and D videos. I, I it sounds like they were an entry point for a lot of people. Which is yeah, awesome. yeah. I'm pretty sure I watched those a long time ago and then got into D&D after the fact. Honestly, now that I think about it, uh, one of the inspirations for this podcast, not the only one, but mm-hmm. one of them was in one of his D&D videos. He's like, you don't need a group to play D&D. You can play yeah. with just one other person. Mm-hmm. And at the time when I heard that, I was like, 
that sounds dumb. <laughs> and then I did it. I was like, oh, actually, yeah, yeah that's awesome. Uh, one-on-one games are great. Have you done uh, much one-on-one or any one-on-one games? Yeah. So when I ran my first campaign, I wanted to do one-on-one backstories with each player individually. So we would have mm-hmm. kind of a vibe with everybody. And then I would have a story to bring everyone together with. And I was skeptical as well. I was like, you know, maybe it'll just be like light role play. But then we both like for each individual one on one session, it was very like we were very into it and it was very fun. And I was like, wow, no, these are like the best game ever. You can do whatever you want with it. (laughs) So everything is modular. Yeah. Well, probably enough preamble, enough sure. talking about how cool D&D is. Yeah. Uh, maybe let's play a little D&D. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, well, let's jump into this episode of Once Upon a Roll. The kingdom of Cortia has thrived for over a thousand years. In that time, it has endured war against powerful enemies, outlasted deadly feuds between its lords, and fought against evil, both of this plane and others. However, during the most recent Festival of the Autumn Sun, the Sage's ritual revealed a nearly forgotten omen, the sign of Black Sun, a symbol only seen once before and it almost led to the destruction of Cortia. Panicked, the common folk in the capital city rioted, and when the dust settled, the king was dead, and his two children had disappeared in the night. The lord of the city of Edgewood, Tom Dunn, restored peace to the capital, and with no heirs of the king anywhere to be seen, he decided to sit the throne and take the position of Lord Regent. The day of the Autumn Sun Festival was eventful for you as well, albeit for completely unrelated reasons. You had a dream, one that you've been wanting to see for your whole life, one that is why you became a monk in the first place, one that promised true and unadulterated enlightenment, one of the perfect meal. It is something you have sought ever since you were a young man, finding your place at the Alwith Monastery, where you trained under Master Yika in the Way of the Heart, a tradition that some of the other masters mockingly called the Way of the Gut. But neither you or Master Yika paid any mind to them, as you understood the sole healing power that can come from a simple meal shared with someone else. That all was long ago, though, and now you seek to start your own monastery, one that continues the teaching of the now late Master Yika. And so you have traveled the world searching for pupils, but it hasn't been easy. Many are happy to share a meal with you, but you have struggled to convince them to devote their life to it, which brings you back to the perfect meal. A meal so delicious that it would bring enlightenment and hopefully, in turn, more people to carry on the way of the heart tradition. So as soon as the dream came, you set off on your journey. The dream gave you flashes of ingredients, as well as what you deem to be the location of the spice that must bring it all together. It came in flashes, first a great bay, then a cave along the beach, and lastly a piercing blue eye, and then bliss. After studying a map, you found a spot that reminded you of the dream. So you made your way there and trekked along the beach for weeks, ultimately coming up empty. So you looked at the map and tried again, and then tried another time, which has led you now to Envim Bay. The morning sun begins to rise, and you hear the small crackle of the fire that has managed to stay lit throughout the night. The crackle is quickly joined by the sound of snores coming from the closest person you have to an apprentice, Kivel. 
You met him along your travels, and while he has no understanding of monastic traditions, you've never met someone with as strong of an understanding of the beauty of food as him. A writer by trade, you heard him reciting a poem he wrote about garlic roasted potatoes, which led to a long conversation between the two of you, which ended with him deciding to follow you to find this perfect meal. Aside from that, the camp is quiet. And for now, at least, you have it to yourself. Uh, what would you like to do? I'd like to wake him up. I'd like to, to rustle him. Okay. You, you stand up and, and start walking over to him. As you get up, why don't you describe what you look like? Yeah, so I am a stout halfling, three feet in height, 115 pounds in weight, very wide, kind of like flushed in the face, like a leathery tanned skin, but clearly a, a white man. But like, regardless of how tan he gets from his uh, walks and adventures in the sun, his nose and face remain very like cherry red. I am bald with a, a large ginger beard that is, you know, slowly like the, the ginger is kind of like it's, it's sun bleached and also fading with the kind of creeping gray as, as my mm -hmm. nearly 200 years of, of age are beginning <laughs> to show. And do you just kind of like push his shoulder? I imagine he's like sleeping on the ground on like a bedroll. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I want to kind of use my walking stick and kind of just poke him. Yeah, he kind of stirs a bit and turns his head slowly towards you and then rubs his eyes and, and sits up. Uh, despite being a relatively young man, you imagine somewhere in his 20s uh, as, as a human, uh, he has old eyes about him. Mm -hmm. And that's part of what kind of got you to respect his, his uh, views on the world and, and food. You could tell he's well-traveled and, and well-knowing. Messy brown hair falls to about his shoulders, always in a perpetual state of bedhead, which at least right now is fitting. And he kind of rubs his eyes a bit and gives a big yawn. Hi. How are you doing? What, are you, what do you need? Young Kivel, I, I'm in dire need of ingredients this morning. Uh, um, for, for breakfast? For breakfast, indeed. Uh, what, what do you need? Well... I kind of look, uh, what is there around? Is there like, I'm guessing there's like a little fire pit. You're just saying around the camp? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so there's a little fire pit with stones. I imagine you probably made a meal the day before. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'd say that like, you know, just things that the two of you would have in your packs, regardless of whether or not it's necessarily in the you know, official inventory. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think between the two of you and the interests your characters have, uh, you probably would have some sort of like, essentially what would be a grill that you can put on top mm -hmm. of a stove place, just like, you know, a little lines of metal that you can set on top, mm -hmm. uh, portable enough. Um, and I assume that you probably have some spices in, in your bag um, as, as well as him. And you said we're uh, in like a forest? You're probably by some trees at the moment. I don't know that I'd say you're in a forest. Mm -hmm. You probably would camp by a wooded area. Um, you are sort of close to the water, though. You certainly, from where you are, can hear, like, the ocean uh, lapping up against the shore. But you didn't really want to sleep on the sand as it right. is less comfortable. Uh, <laughs> but pretty much probably most of your days of travel have been walking along the beach just scouring in hopes of finding this cave that you saw in your dream and then camping, you know, heading back up off of the sand and, and camping right. in some sort of 
covered area, usually by some trees, yeah, but not too far from the water. Okay. Uh, can I do like a nature check to see if I would know that there are any mushrooms nearby? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Nine. <laughs> you give a look. I mean, in general, you get the sense that there's probably different, maybe mushrooms and just different food to gather around mm-hmm. here in general. You do a quick glance around and you don't see any kind of telltale signs of stuff that you recognize of like, oh, typically stuff would be around here. And you would get the sense that you might be a little too away from like strong forest for there to be like lots of right. fungi growing, right? Like you are by some trees, but it it is not like a deep woods, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it is probably an outcropping of like four or five trees, right? Just give a little bit of cover right now. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, I kind of turn to Kivalini and say, um, given the area we're in, we may as well look for eggs for breakfast, and I need help scavenging them. Okay, yeah. I can, um, he looks at the trees. I can climb those and see if there's a bird's nest. Is that kind of like looking at you for approval? <laughs> that is typically where eggs originate. Okay, I got it. He uh, starts climbing up one of the trees and just starts rummaging uh, through there. Do you want to look somewhere else? Yeah, why don't I... I want to stroll past a couple of other trees in case there's anything at the base of the tree or there's any more obvious, like, larger nests or anything like that. Any mm-hmm. any small game. Yeah, roll a perception check. Uh-oh. Uh, five. <laughs> Uh, you look around, you don't see anything obvious, mm-hmm. no. You know, there's some different leaves that you're like, those could be herbs, maybe. Yeah. But nothing that you would recognize as, like, immediately delicious. <laughs> <laughs> the morning is clouding my brain. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to call up to Kivel. Any luck up there? You see him, like, far out on a branch that, like, you know, he's a pretty tall guy, like around maybe six feet, but relatively thin. Mm-hmm. But he is pretty like far out on this branch that is definitely not <laughs> meant to support some of his size and weight. And you see him like reaching out for what looks to be, uh, you know, a little thing of twigs in a, a nest sort shape. Oh, my. Be careful, young master. <laughs> he says, uh, be careful about... And then you hear the uh, branch snap and he starts falling and you see the eggs start to fall as well. Uh, I'll give you a moment to take an action if you would Mm -hmm. like or a reaction to this. Yeah, I'm guessing I have a choice between trying to help him and catch (laughs) the eggs. That that, uh, might be about what's here, yeah. (sighs) But the eggs will crack. He'll be fine. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, if it helps, he's only about 10 feet up. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to run for the eggs and try to, like, uh, dive and catch them. Okay, make a dexterity save and throw. 19. 19. Yeah, you uh, take a few long strides, which, you know, are <laughs> short <laughs> steps for someone of a taller size. Yeah. Uh, and have to do, like, a full layout for it, getting even a little bit of dirt in your mouth as you slide forward. But three eggs all caught in your hand delicately. Oh. And then you hear, <laughs> he uh, slams on the ground and takes some damage. Young Kivel, are you all right? Oh, y- yeah. Um, yeah. 
He's like rubbing his neck, clearly not all right, but. <laughs> well, the good news is we have found our first meal of the day. Oh, huh? nice, nice. He like s- gingerly stands up and like is rubbing his neck and arm where he landed. <laughs> Can I do like a medicine check to see how wounded he is? Oh, uh, yeah, go for it. Zero. <laughs> Zero. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so like as you like go to like kind of check on him, he doesn't like really let you. Yeah. Right. So you're just kind of doing a medicine check based on like your visual here mm-hmm. instead of like, you know, feeling where he may have broken something right. or hurt something. <laughs> uh, but you're, uh, yeah, it looks fine. You look, it seems fine. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm sure you'll be fine, Kivel. Sometimes the pursuit of delicious food requires sacrifice. That is something I agree with. You want to cook this one? I'm, uh, I'm going to just take a little walk. By all means, but do not wander too far. I might be tempted to eat your egg. He takes a long look at you. Uh, I appreciate your honesty and wouldn't blame you. You do make very good eggs. <laughs> I wobble over to the... To the, you know, bonfire that we have mm-hmm. um, and just begin. I, I crack these eggs. Wait, should I? <laughs> I don't know what kind of eggs they are. <laughs> uh, it could be special eggs, <laughs> but I crack them anyway. <laughs> Breakfast waits for no mortal. Uh, you know, they look like normal eggs. Yeah, nothing You have got enough there. time to look at them. Mm-hmm. You, you aren't like, wow, this is a dragon. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, you you head over and start cracking the eggs. You see he kind of is just walking around, like, doing that, like, you know, what people do after they get winded. Mm -hmm. Just kind of walking (laughs) Bending over every (laughs) once in a while. Yeah. Doing the arm swing thing and just, like, every time you look over, he, like, gives, like, a a thumbs up. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm good. I'm good, sir. And, uh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Can I do a performance check on how good I cook these eggs? What would be a good cooking stat? Let's do dexterity. So dexterity okay. plus proficiency plus your roll. Ooh, 23. Nice. Tell me about your meal that you're making. I'm just going to do fried eggs, sunny side up, but seasoned perfectly. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a smoked paprika, salt, and pepper, and just getting the perfect cook to make them perfectly runny. I pull some stale bread that I've just been keeping with me and I toast it and the the fried egg goes on top of that. So that even this stale, you know, several day old bread that is basically just like survival rations can be made, you know, richer with the, with the Mm -hmm. golden yolk. Soaked up with all the, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And you are able to cook that to perfection with it, with, uh, that good of a roll. Uh, it is exactly how you'd like it. Maybe even a little better than what you thought it would turn out to be, mm-hmm. especially given the circumstances. Not that you have ever had or typically cook with like a uh, an amazing kitchen, mm-hmm. right? But certainly better than like a little grill over yeah. <laughs> a, a, a fire, uh, you know, where you probably, I assume you pull out like a small frying pan. Mm-hmm. That a little skillet. You would have, yeah, a little skillet. Um, but yeah, you, you are definitely impressed with how well they turned out, especially when you didn't even know you'd have eggs to begin with when you woke up this morning. Mm-hmm. I offer, because there were three. So I put mm-hmm. two onto one piece of stale bread, and I offer that to Kibble. He uh, 
you know, walks over looking a little better. Mm-hmm. You, you can still tell he's hurting a bit, but he doesn't seem to be as in, in as much pain. And he reaches out and takes it and like puts it under his nose and does a big smell and then just gives a huge smile as he takes it in. Well, young Kivel, your sacrifice has paid off. And to mend your own injuries, I've given you two of the eggs. Thank you. Thank you, Bree. And he takes a big bite. Is that paprika? It is. It's rare, but I figured we could splurge a little bit today. Well, that is delectable. Tastes like sunrise. Thank you. I eat mine as well, and it's delicious. Yeah, uh, a highly satisfying meal. Uh, The two of you said he is definitely a savoring type of eater. Mm -hmm. Almost maybe to a fault where like (laughs) the last few bites are cold, right? Because he's just taking so long to enjoy it and like take it all in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I let him kind of take his time. And as we wrap up, um, so we had already scoured this beach, you said, correct? Well, we've worked through a good part of it. Um, but there's still more beach line along the way. Well, now that we've had our breakfast and we're good and energized for the day, I suspect we look at the remainder of the beach. Sounds good. I'm sure this spice is here somewhere. I hope it is. Don't get me wrong, we've been eating good, but a perfect meal, that would be amazing to have. And we could replicate it any time we need and give it to all those who would seek to enjoy it. Make for a good poem, too. Precisely. So we kind of make our way down to the beach. Should I roll any sort of check? Yeah, you, you, the two of you would be walking for a little while, and I would say uh, in general to kind of get an idea of the lay of the land, a perception check would be good. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Five. <laughs> you know, the two of you walk for a while. You don't necessarily see anything that's like a telltale sign mm-hmm. from your dream. You know, there's probably a little bit of doubt creeping in as you only had the dream once. And while it has stuck in your head a fair bit, you know, you've had a lot of failure, right? Yeah. You you have been to different parts of Cortia, like across the country, <laughs> scouring various beaches. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's, it's hard to know if you've picked the right one this time. Um, I'd say as you're walking along, you you walk by what seems to be a, a, a mast of a ship. It seems to be like kind of broken and is along the beach. It's, it's, it's long. You imagine it belong to a pretty massive ship. The wood itself seems like it's rotted for the most part. Mm. It's hard for you to tell exactly how long it has been here. Um, you would assume a long while. Okay. Is there any like cloth or sail still attached to it? Uh, some of the sail is attached. Yeah, but... Nothing discernible on it, it. it. Yeah, nothing all that discernible. There, you can't really see like an insignia on it or who it may mm. have belonged to. I'd let you roll a history check that'll have a very high DC <laughs> based on some of the colors of the sail, but it is going to be a tough one. Yeah, and my intelligence is minus two, but... Yes, okay. Okay, make the roll. <laughs> Pretty much if you get a nat 20, I'll give you some information. <laughs> That's four. (laughs) (laughs) Four. Yeah, you know, you look at it and you don't recognize. It's not a white Mm -hmm. sail, but (laughs) you don't really recognize the colors. There's no insignia to give a clear definition of who it might belong Mm to. So Rats. Okay. Well, I I suspect we we continue to make our way down. 
Yeah, Kivel also would not recognize it. Mm. He is knowledgeable in terms of food. Uh, that is kind of the forte of his lore storytelling. Okay. Uh, 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 but when it comes to <laughs> historical things, he is uh, woefully underprepared. So he's kind of yeah. like a food blogger. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> you figured out. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's pretty much a food blogger. Awesome. So. <laughs> Imagine, like, you know, the... He, in general, has probably been traveling with you for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. You've gotten to know each other a decent amount. Uh, he, I think, feels like he has a lot to learn from you uh, in general about stuff. Sure. And, you know, as you're, you're been, you've been trying to start a monastery of your own, um, you're happy, I, I imagine, to teach him mm-hmm. things, even though he's not really a monk. Yeah, I, I'm, I don't think uh, I would be very like possessive over my knowledge it's mm-hmm. it's more of a you know i'm happy to teach anybody and if they want to join that's i'm happy to take them but that's it's not necessary um because i only want people to join so more people can teach not necessarily as like for me you know yeah yeah as the two of you are walking and kind of moving along the sand he would look at you and say so how did you start studying the way of the heart i found myself in a monastery Many years ago. And while I was there, I was taught by Master Yika. And he told me everything I know. Mm. He liked food a lot too? <laughs> <laughs> he did indeed. He could eat twice as much as me, but you would never know it by looking at him. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully we can find this recipe and you can keep moving his teaching forward. Some days I feel when I am cooking... His spirit is alongside me, teaching me exactly what to season. Hmm. That's nice. I like that. Thank you. You see him pull out a notebook or like a little <laughs> parchment and like jot it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any idea to help his, you know, creative muse for writing mm-hmm. uh, and have more things to pull from. What else are we seeing on the beach right now? Is there anything else of interest? As you're walking, you would every once in a while see a, another part of what you imagine to probably be the same ship, just kind of spread along different parts of the beach. Yeah. And nothing is too close, but, you know, at a point you see what seems to be like the hull of a ship mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, the bow. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, I, I can't remember the name of it, but, you, you know, how, like, all of them have, like, a harpy or something. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, at the, the ma- very the, front. The uh, figurehead. Yeah, the figurehead. You see one that is the head of a dragon. Hmm. Okay. Was there any like cargo that was spilled? Any like crates or barrels that we would be able to look into or, or bring onto onto the beach? In general, as you're looking, nothing is obvious. Um, that's not to say there isn't anything. Uh, you get the sense that this has been here for a while. So smaller things like cargo, a lot of it probably got washed away. But there yeah. might be some stuff. Roll a perception check again. Eighteen. Eighteen. Um, yeah, as you're looking, and I imagine as the two of you walk, you probably peek, you know, within different parts of the wreckage mm. uh, just to see what's inside. And usually you just see crabs scurrying away. Uh, but yeah, one of them, you would find a barrel kind of like tucked in behind a big piece of wood. Okay. I want to kind of recruit Kibble and have him, him and I both try to like, grab hold of, of the barrel because I imagine it's it's large especially to me 
Yes. Yeah. It's it's bigger than you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I want us both to kind of like bring it from the tide and on just like solid ground. I'll have him roll a strength check with advantage because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, you are helping. <laughs> yeah, but that's he's fair. probably the one more in charge. All right. Uh, that ends up being a net. 20 for him which nice. is like a, he's not that strong but which is a, which is a 20 uh, yeah the two of you are able to kind of push it without like too much terrible effort uh, it, it moves up along alright yeah alright um, young Tivil what do you suspect may be in a barrel like this he gives it like a knock um, it doesn't seem hollow at all mm-hmm. well it seemed to not swish all that much so I wouldn't expect it to be wine or any alcohol like that. Mm-hmm. But also didn't hear anything bouncing around, so can't imagine there's, like, fruit or anything like that. How do you even open barrels? Just as, like, a regular question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this would be, like, kind of an iron cast one. Uh-huh. Uh, so at the lid, you would have to kind of pry it open. Right. I do have a walking stick, but I don't know if that's a good prying tool. <laughs> You could try. Yeah, why don't I try to to give it a good pry at the lid? <laughs> you would probably either have to jump on kivel mm-hmm. or like have your like feet on the side of the lid. Yeah, I could be on top of it. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you uh climb up and try to like poke your stick in as much as you can. I would say that like because your walking stick is probably thin mm-hmm. enough and this isn't necessarily like the most tight barrel like it's it's warped a bit you can tell that the wood isn't perfect Mm -hmm. Uh, you do feel like you can like wiggle it a bit and get like a little leverage uh so it does seem possible so yeah i'd say make a strength check yeah it could be wood rotten too it's all soft Mm -hmm. 13 it takes a little bit of effort but you're able to kind of push it back a bit it doesn't necessarily like plop off Mm -hmm. really what happens is as you're pulling it like about half of the lid just kind of breaks away. So half of it is still up, but the other half kind of like pulls up and then cracks. Okay. So we can just kind of grab the other half and just pull it out. Yeah. And what's inside? As you look in, you see what looks to be a tarry substance. Hmm. I'm just going to reach in and kind of like, you know how you, you can like tap jello and it doesn't like, like, you know, it kind of just bounces. So I'm like tap it. As you tap it and pull your finger back a little bit of the tarry substance seems to be on your finger. Oh, it's like, it's like stuck to me. Yep. I want to like, (laughs) oh my. And I like, I try to like shake it off. Yeah. You know, some of it comes off. uh, And if you try to like wipe it, you know, it would wipe off for the most part, but it's definitely pretty sticky. Mm -hmm. Tiffle, what, what might this be? He takes a look and gives it a smell. He puts a finger in and, like, you know, puts it right beneath his nose and then, like, moves it towards his tongue for a second and then thinks better of it <laughs> and wipes it off. Um, I don't know. It's my guess is probably pitch, maybe for, for fires and, you know, some spellcasters use it. Hmm. Not exactly what I was hoping for. I kind of like poke it with my walking stick. Yeah, it kind of globs on <laughs> to, to the base a little. <laughs> I let it glob on and then I like stick it in the sand to like let it just kind of congeal <laughs> with the sand at the base of my walking stick. 
Yeah, you get a nice little, uh, almost like a tennis ball, right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like a nice little ball of sand at the at the base of your walking stick. I'm guessing I have a torch with my, uh, like, explorer's pack or whatever, right? Yeah, you would have a torch. Can I try to, like, set the little tennis ball worth on fire with the torch to see how it reacts? You could just, like, I mean, it's not like your torch is lit right now, right? Right. Uh, so you would probably, you could do that without the torch and just strike it with uh flint and steel that's true you know fire starter stuff mm -hmm. i think a kit has matches so you could use a match too oh yeah let me use a match to just okay. see how it reacts to fire you strike it and it sets on fire does it harden at all like the resin in general like now that it's on fire is it like becoming more like carbonized i'm hoping to have like a little weight to my walking stick. So if I hit oh. people, it'll really <laughs> whack them. Um, no, it seems on fire. I mean, okay. It's like, <laughs> like actually yeah, like an it oil. It seems to be burning fire. through it. Yeah. Quicker. Okay. I like stick my walking stick in, in panicked. I, I kind of put it in the ocean to set out the, <laughs> yeah. without the flame. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now the end of your stick is a little less sandy, a little less tarry and a little more burnt. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that did not go according to plan. Um, Tivil, might you have a spare canteen? Uh, yeah. Kivil uh, pulls out his canteen and hands it to you. I kind of like dunk it into the into the goo, and it goes like goom. <laughs> Wait. Uh, oh. Oh. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> you you uh, fill it with it. You know, half of it is covered in this pitch, uh, but it does fill up a fair bit. Excellent. I, I close the canteen and I hand it back to Tibble. You never know when we may need this. Kivel grabs it, <laughs> puts it around him, and is like trying to keep it off so it doesn't get on his clothes. <laughs> Which is not like his clothes are pristine at this point after mm -hmm. all the traveling, but uh, he still doesn't want to <laughs> get it all pitchy. Right. Well, I suppose we move onward from this barrel of black goo. Yeah, sounds good the two of you move along and yeah you walk for a good while you most likely trying your best to, to keep the doubt away and just enjoy the walk you're on mm. and, and enjoy the journey of, of looking for this place and then things start to feel familiar mm. you kind of look out to the water and the angle of where you can see the bay seems to be similar to your vision and in the distance, you can see what looks like the mouth of a cave. Tivil, do you see that cave? It, it, uh, yeah. He kind of looks at you, uh, <laughs> realizing, you know, that you've been calling him Tivil a few times. And he's like, um, not wanting to correct you, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have been calling him Tivil. Like, uh, he's like, uh. No, I think it's perfect. You're 197 yeah. years old. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense, yeah. Uh. Yeah, I see the mouth of it. Excellent. Uh, is that the one from your your dream? It's just the one from my dream. We must pursue immediately. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Kind of like hobble through the sand, my old legs. Yeah, the the two of you move forward at a slightly quicker pace. <laughs> um, you know, he immediately like kind of speeds up uh, as you're like, you know, let's go. Yeah. Uh, and then realizes he's like 10 strides ahead of you. <laughs> so then he uh, slows back down. And yeah, uh, the two, two of you move along, 
following the beach and eventually you get to the mouth of a cave. And as you look at it, you can kind of feel this warmth filling your heart. Like you have seen this before. This is the one from your vision. In the center of this cave, like in the mouth of the cave, you see a statue standing. It's a relatively tall dragonborn which towers over you. Uh, right. Not that that says much. Uh, <laughs> but but Kivel comes to about the figure's shoulder. So it's it's taller than Kivel, who's mm. already quite tall. Uh, and the statue faces towards the cave, just staring into the darkness. As you look forward, yeah, you can maybe see like 50 feet into the cave. Mm-hmm. But then it's just darkness. Um, I have dark vision. <laughs> All right. You can see 50 feet into the cave and then another 50 feet <laughs> in like grayscale. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so then I don't even have dark vision. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. You can't really see all that much beyond it of okay. what's in it, but just this statue staring into it. Can I do a history check? Do I recognize the statue at all? Uh, yeah. Roll a history check. 17. You know, you certainly probably have heard many stories of famous dragonborn mm-hmm. in, in your time. And whether it be like heroes within Cortia or monks who have studied various traditions that uh, became renowned. As you look this one over, it doesn't seem to necessarily be emulating any of the typical dragonborn heroes that you would think of. It almost just seems like a statue of an everyday dragonborn. Do you kind of look mm-hmm. at his clothing? Um, you would probably peg him as a sailor um, okay. in, in some regard based on kind of the different scars along the what seems to be the scales of the statue. You would either assume a pirate or a soldier. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. I kind of look directly up at it, but kind of not paying it too much mind, I want to start heading towards the direction it's facing into the cave. Yeah. The two of you walk forward uh, and and move into the darkness. Uh, probably once you're about like 100 feet in, mm-hmm. you really can't see. Yeah. You can like look back and see the light that comes from the entrance, but at this point, you're, you're pretty much in the dark. I, w- I wish to light my torch. Yeah. You uh, pull out a torch and... Pfft, light shines out uh, in front of you. What do I see now? As you kind of walk forward and see the light, this area seems to just be a somewhat big cave opening area, you know, maybe about like 25 feet up and 25 feet wide. Mm. A little bit ahead of you, you can kind of see your light bounce off the slick ground and it kind of quickly turns into a sharp decline. This is probably about like 20, 30 feet in front of you. As you kind of like step towards it to like see down, you cannot see the bottom from where you stand. Mm. It does seem to be a pretty sharp decline, maybe like 70, 75 degrees. Okay. Not impossible to walk down, but definitely keep careful footing. Yeah, harder to walk (laughs) Uh, up for sure. Yeah. Well, you definitely also see, even though you can't see the bottom, are various statues along this decline down. Um, All of them seem to be in different states of either climbing up or kind of sliding down. But there are just statues placed all along. Are they humans? They vary. Mm -hmm. They all seem to be about humanoid, Mm -hmm. the statues and humanoid size. You know, you see a couple that are close that you're like, yep, that seems like a human. Right. But you get the sense there's probably some half elves um, and and 
just different ancestries all okay. through. But all of them seem humanoid. Gotcha. But this like kind of clearing before the slope is pretty much empty. Yeah. Okay. Well, Tybalt, I don't see any other way but down. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, you're right. How do you want to go about it? I suppose I could go first with the torch, lighting your way down and you could follow. Unless you would rather stay here. No, no. I'm, I'm with you to, through this. We're here and I'm happy to help you. Well, all right then. I kind of like sit down and plop down and just kind of slide on my butt. Okay. I'm going to have you make an athletics check, essentially, to see how controlled yeah. <laughs> you can be. Um, that's a three. <laughs> okay. The answer is not very. Uh, <laughs> you start moving, you know, you're trying to just slide forward, but it is quite steep. And the ground is somewhat slick. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there's water on it. Uh, and... Quite quickly, you find yourself slipping down and moving faster than what you had in mind. Uh, you, at one point, even kind of like fall forward a bit, almost like getting a slight roll. And you are moving um, at an uncomfortable pace and aren't really able to stop your movement. Yeah. Uh, as you are moving down, what you are able to notice is statues are kind of passing you at, at your sides, and some of them seem to be in your path. <laughs> so what I need you to do now is make a deck save. Okay. Uh, as you do not have good control, it will be at disadvantage. Okay. Is, I'm guessing my torch is like clinging on to dear life. or We will see how the not. deck save goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 18. 18, okay. With disadvantage, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's quite good. As you start falling, you hear Kivel yell out, Bree! Uh, and you can kind of hear him moving behind you, kind of coming down. <laughs> there is a statue right in front of you. You're about to hit it, but you just kind of roll to the side and, and dodge out of the way uh, as you're moving down. With a good save there, you don't have full control, but you do have a little more control. You know, you put mm -hmm. your arms out to try to control yourself a little bit better. At this point, with your light shining forward, you can see the bottom, but you also see another statue that is right in your way. So I need you to make another deck save, but this one is just a normal roll as is you have a little bit more foot in here. Okay. 12. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> on, on this one, uh, it's not a full-on collision mm -hmm. stopping you completely, but it does kind of clip you, which I'll give you a choice here. Either... <laughs> it kind of clips your leg and you'll take some damage mm -hmm. or it just hits the arm that you're holding the torch and you will lose control of the torch. I'll take some damage. Okay. You take three points of bludgeoning damage as your leg just hits one of the statues and you kind of like spin and turn. Uh, but you are still <laughs> holding your walking stick and your torch uh, in both hands as eventually you get to the base of this slide <laughs> and yeah as you kind of like catch your breath for a second you see kivel moving down quickly i'm gonna have him make some rolls to see how he does natural 19 so 20 sweet so he gets advantage on his saves uh, he doesn't have full control but he is sliding down in a much more controlled manner than you graceful yeah And yeah, he is able to dodge the different statues uh, and kind of come in like a nice slide on his feet uh, as he slows down and gets to the base next to you. Mm -hmm. are, are you okay? I kind of uh, 
finish my tumble, <laughs> you know, right before he, he finishes his slide and I stand up to kind of dust myself off, looking at him with like a cheery expression. Worry not, Tibble. We're at the precipice of my dream. I will take whatever it takes as long as we're getting closer. Yeah, okay. Uh, oh, that was, that was scary. Fear is nothing when compared to good cuisine. <laughs> he gives a nod. You should write that one down. <laughs> he uh, kind of like thinks it over and like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, well, you know, there is a good angle there, actually. And <laughs> pulls it out and, and writes it. He looks back up this slope. Who do you think built all those? I'm not sure. Perhaps the sailor whose statue was the largest at the front, maybe disciples of his? Interesting. So, continue on? I see no other choice. Uh, yeah, the two of you start moving along uh, this part of the cave, which just seems to be kind of narrow hallways that weave back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, as the two of you walk... Kibble like is kind of like looking at you and then looking ahead, seemingly trying to like think of a good way to say it. He's like, "Oh yeah, my my mom would be so mad right now. She would always say, Kibble, don't get yourself in caves in the dark.' Interesting. It's yeah. She was just kind of overprotective. Yes, I only vaguely remember my mother. Yeah." She wasn't around much, but when she was, she was very caring. I'm sorry yours was so neglectful. What? Well, oh, no, she was, she was, she was great. She's just worried a lot. You know, mm. she'd always be saying stuff like, Kivel, don't stay out too late. And uh, Kivel, make sure you eat well-balanced meals. And, you know, that's how I fell in love with food in the first place. She sounds like an excellent role model. I'm sure she would have loved my meals. Oh, I think so, too. And maybe one day when we find, you know, this, this ingredient and make that perfect meal, we can uh, have her enjoy it as well. Oh, she's alive. Oh, yeah. I figured she had passed. No, I'm, I'm, I'm like 20, you know, I'm quite young, you know. <laughs> uh, Just moved out, you know. I wouldn't have guessed that by her age, Kibble. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, he he just (laughs) continues along. (laughs) And as you move forward, at a point, your light shines uh, right ahead of you. And and you notice that kind of this narrow hallway you're in um, seems like there's a little block ahead. You are starting to step through kind of shallow puddles, uh, Mm -hmm. although they probably get up to like your knees (laughs) uh, due to your height. But yeah, as you you are stepping forward, you see kind of a block in front of you, which is a handful of statues. Um, They all seem very kind of concentrated within this hallway and they block kind of the walking path in front of you. Uh, They all seem to be humanoid of typical sizes, uh, although if there are a few smaller ones in the mix that you would deem probably halflings or, or maybe gnomes. Mm-hmm. Based on their clothing, they all seem to be statues of sailors, all similar kind of to the dress and general temperament of the statues standing at the front in terms of scarring and, and clothing. Mm-hmm. Well-traveled uh, folk. And all of these statues are facing you, at the moment and you can kind of see their faces are are carved with a look of panic on them many of them seem to be mid stride uh and and 
a lot of them are trying to kind of squeeze past each other, almost like clawing at the walls. Hmm. What are these statues made of? Stone. Cool. Uh, <laughs> when you said statues at first, for some reason I was picturing bronze statues, but now I have a different <laughs> idea of what's happening. <laughs> um, I'm going to go up to like the closest one and kind of like bonk it with my walking stick a few times just to get a see what would happen yeah as you bonk it yeah it seems hard you know mm -hmm. it seems like a rock it's not hollow yeah doesn't crumble all right i'm gonna chop one of these fucking statues <laughs> uh okay okay i i just want to take like a like a see what happens yeah firm chop at to like one of the extremities one of the limbs that looks particularly weak i want to break a piece off as best as i can yeah Roll the hit. I'd say also you have advantage as it's not moving. Uh, an incapacitated mm -hmm. piece of stone. Sixteen. That'll hit. Uh, roll a d4 for damage plus plus your dex. Six damage. Nice. And you're just aiming for like an outstretched arm or something. Yeah, or even yeah, anything that looks like a thinner, maybe like a wrist or like a, like an inner elbow. Okay. You kind of. Look it up. You make your fist uh, to break it. You know, different training you've had throughout the years. You've probably broken a fair amount of boards mm -hmm. and broken a fair amount of stones as well. And you kind of search for where you think the weak spot to be and just give it a nice strike. On one of them with an arm outstretched about from like the middle of the forearm to the fingertips falls off, kind of crumbles, cracks away. Perfect. I pick it up to observe like the cross section like where it broke yeah i would say roll a medicine check okay nine <laughs> okay you don't fully understand it but about where it's broken off it's it's stone where you look at it but it does seem like there are um kind of like different holes mm -hmm. in it you don't really know what it might be yeah there's like a there's like a, something interesting to the pattern there yeah, okay. it definitely looks different like uh, at, at that inside point than it did on the outside. Mm -hmm. I kind of show it to, no, I'm forgetting his, his actual name. Kibble. <laughs> Kibble. I show it to him and I say, look at the craftsmanship here. It's, it's almost identical to a real arm. He kind of takes a look at it and like holds it up by the torch. Exquisite, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of put it into my bag. He's kind of like looking at it and then looking at the statues and he looks at you. Um, do you think these were carved by a person? I think it's possible. Art comes from mysterious places, you know. That's true. He uh, pulls out his notebook and <laughs> writes that down. <laughs> Perhaps a blind craftsman who inhabits this cave. I call out, put my hands over my mouth and I say, hello. Blind craftsman. You just hear, hello, hello, blind <laughs> craftsman. <laughs> no luck. Perhaps he retired. Kibble is kind of, for the first time maybe in your travels, and I don't know if Bree would really recognize it. He, he's definitely like looking down <laughs> with, with doubt. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. gotten used to being called the wrong name. You know? <laughs> he, he kind of expected it, and he was fine with it for the most part, even though he tries his various... Uh, Poorly veiled <laughs> attempts to get you to remember. Mm -hmm. 
but yeah, in this moment, he's like, why would this be the assumption? <laughs> and he's like, hmm, do I understand Brie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just questioning everything. Yeah. I kind of make my way. I want to get to the center of where all these statues are kind of like running away from. Uh, so like you'd like to try to move through that, like through their legs to the best of your ability? Mm-hmm. or I think that's, yeah, because the way it sounded at least is like there's the middle of this cave is something that they're all running away from. Like the ones at the um, entrance well, are going towards us and the ones on the walls. They're definitely blocking the path in front of you. Oh, um, I see. There's not like a middle path through it. So mm. they're pretty filled in it. The way the way it looks is that the way these statues were carved is they were moving away from something deeper within the cave. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is where this carving of them is depicted. So you do look and you like feel like there probably is some space between their legs and whatnot mm-hmm. that you could maybe try to squeeze through. There is also like space above them, right? Right. That's what I was thinking of climbing over. It's not like they're as tall as the top of the cave. So those are, those. As you know, you take a quick glance, those would be the two obvious options. Okay. Yeah. Why don't I try to climb over the ones directly in front of me? Okay. Make, I think that's just athletics. 16. 16. Okay. Um, yeah, you are able to climb up them easily enough and sort of just, you know, hop from <laughs> one to the next, moving along well enough, and you keep your footing well. There is one where you kind of jump forward and, like, feel its arm kind of crumble yeah. beneath you and, like, hit the ground. I was going to say, I am 300 uh, but you're pounds. able to jump off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, you're able to kind of get through deftly enough. Um I'm sorry. I'm 115 pounds. I'm almost 200 years old. I don't know why I got those confused. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you definitely, definitely hefty for, for no, yeah. but, but yeah. Uh, I mean, Kivel will probably <laughs> have a <laughs> more likely chance of, of crushing something on here. Right. You do not have any moment where you fall and aside from breaking off one arm, the statues seem relatively untouched. Okay. So I, I want to kind of perch on the on the shoulders of one of the statues and kind of look out to see if I can see anything beyond this, like, wall of them. Yeah, you know, the kind of the wall of them, you know, now that you're on top and moving forward, it seems like there's probably about, like, a 15-foot length of these statues. Oh, it's like rows. Yeah, I mean, it's not perfectly aligned in rows, right? Like, it's kind of like a clump of this statue. Gotcha. But it goes for about 15 feet, and then it gets back to typical cave floor. Okay. I kind of turn to Kibble and I say, Kibbled, you'll have to stay here for now. I'm going to hop forward and see if I can find a path that I can clear through for you. Uh, I can c- climb on these. Okay. <laughs> if you want, I mean, you can... Whatever you want. Uh, you can try to climb on these, but please be careful. The craftsmanship is impeccable and I wouldn't want you breaking anything. Okay. We can't afford to be paying for these statues if we break them, Kibbled. Roll a perception check. Okay. 19. Okay. Bree would actually hear this under his breath. He says, Kibble, it's Kibble. Kibble, man. It's Kibble. <laughs> so what do you want to do? Do you want to try to find a way to clear the path or have him just follow by climbing on top? Well, I'm going to have him follow as I continue forward. Okay. Um, I want to hop from like one shoulder to the other, mm-hmm. but I want to do so with like doing kind of flips in between only because I have proficiency in acrobatics. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Roll, roll an acrobatics check. 18. 
18, yeah. You have a good grasp on all this. Despite your size for being a gnome, you still have like a fair amount of flexibility to you and, and deftness to your motions and mm-hmm. you're able to get a nice few side flips and uh, <laughs> you know some nice it kind of kicks in the air and then as you get to kind of the end of where these statues are kind of globbed up you, you know you put your arms out and do a nice black back flip and land uh, solidly on the cave ground it's the perfect 10 point landing <laughs> yeah uh meanwhile kibble is like starting to climb uh along these statues uh, he does pretty well he obviously is not moving with the uh <laughs> acrobatic Grace, prowess yeah. <laughs> of you but he is kind of moving slowly and trying his best uh to always have a nice firm footing unfortunately you feel like, you know, when you do find this blind craftsman, you may have to pay him a bit as there's one point where Kivel plants his foot on the shoulder uh, of what looks to be a human and kind of pushes off of it to move to the next one. And, and the head just kicks off. Oh, Tittle, what have you done? <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, no. Um, well, quickly, uh, I don't want you yeah, standing yeah, yeah. around. He uh, moves along. So I'm guessing he, that's like the most of it, and he kind of just makes it the rest of the yep. way. Yeah, he, he yeah. gets the rest of the way. What do we see past here other than the statues? Are they still all facing away from us now that we're on the other side? Uh, they are they are facing away from you now. Mm-hmm. So they were all trying to run towards the exit, or we're all... That's what it seemed. They were all crafted to look like they were running Yeah, that is that is the, the narrative that you think that uh, this craftsman is trying to make, right? Of, yeah. Of, uh... <laughs> <laughs> of of these uh, moving along, a, um, a beautiful showcase. I would tell you to make an intelligence check, but I I don't think he needs to. No, I think <laughs> his intelligence is eight. <laughs> um, and and what's great is he's with someone as uh, mind in the sky, big dreamer as he is. Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, is, is less of a uh, critical thinker and more of a likes to write about food kind of guy but yeah yeah uh, he's daydreaming uh so yeah i mean right ahead of you is just more kind of narrow cave uh, mm-hmm. to weave through but uh, as you move forward it does start to open up into a bigger cavern area yeah you enter a somewhat big room and and this one has natural light in it you kind of look to the ceiling and you see there's some sort of hole in the cave ceiling that just is shining light down into this room in front of you. You notice that there is a gap kind of in the center of the cavern room you're in now that Mm -hmm. really splits it in half. The gap is about 10 feet long, uh, but the other side is a few feet higher than the one you stand on. Okay. On the other side, you see two statues by the edge. One is leaning over it with its arms outstretched, and the other is hanging onto the fingertips of the first statue. To your right is a small ledge that spans from one side of the gap to the other, and there is a statue midway uh, that is carved to be uh, sidling along it. And Mm. as you look down into the gap, you can see there is another cavern down there. You'd guess it's probably like a... 60 to 70 foot drop Mm -hmm. uh, and there are statues scattered all along the ground down there okay and you said this gap is almost like a crevice or is it more like a man-made it seems like a natural break okay i kind of peer down but i'm guessing it's pretty dark 
uh, uh and the light kind of shines down uh like oh, okay. the light in the ceiling of the cavern pretty much shines down right through this gap okay uh and how tall how far down is it again 60 70 feet okay so yeah too far to just jump down mm-hmm. okay but there is a statue sidling along the edge. And where was the other one? I'm sorry. It was like clinging on as it was Yeah, falling. across the way, um, mm. there are two statues. One that's like carved to be pulling the other up, essentially. Gotcha. A fantastic showcase, don't you think, Kittled? He's kind of like looking at it, looking at the drop. Yeah. How do you even carve a statue and, and get it placed on the side of a, you know, edge like that? The world is full of mysteries. Perhaps very long chisels and hammers. Mm. Yeah, that checks out. <laughs> <laughs> Would I have a rope? Yeah, for sure. I'm going to hand the rope to Kivel and say, no, if you hold this, I'll be able to make my way down. I wish to see this blind craftsman. I'm sure he'll know exactly where the spice I'm looking for is. Uh, yeah, okay. Uh, and he ties the rope around his torso and... uh probably like kind of gets uh, a spot where there's a little leverage, like finds like a mm-hmm. stone or something to stand behind uh, yeah. <laughs> to uh, have a little leverage from it. Yeah. Okay. I kind of start uh, shimmying my way down the, the crevice and you said it's still pretty well lit down there. Uh, yeah. Like the light okay. from this ceiling kind of gets down there as well. And you said there's, there's a bunch of statues down here. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I just kind of make my way down to the bottom. Okay. I'm going to have you do an athletics check. I think, uh, yeah, athletics would make the most sense for climbing a rope. Okay. Oh, a five. Oh, a five. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, as you're moving down, one hand under the other, <laughs> uh, moving a bit, there's just a point where, like, you can feel your grip giving out mm-hmm. some, um, and, and your hands start to slip. You don't like let go, mm-hmm. but you are not having the kind of controlled uh, <laughs> climb down that you like, and, and yeah. you can feel like the rope burning your hands as oh. as you move down. Uh, I'm gonna have you do a deck saving throw to see like mm-hmm. how graceful you can get your landing on the ground. Uh, nine. Not very graceful. <laughs> I mean, there's kind of a double whammy here of you You take one point of rope burn damage. Yeah. And then as your kind of like knees hit the ground, you take two points of bludgeoning damage. Mm-hmm. Oof. He kind of just hits the ground and falls to like his hands and knees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it definitely smarts a bit. And you hear Kivo call, are, are, are you all right, Bree? Yes, I'm fine. Just... A little bit of a rough landing. All is well in pursuit of the spice. Okay. As you stand up and kind of get a look around this room, this seems to be the biggest cavern that you've been in yet. A thin layer of water lines the floor and dozens of statues are sprawled throughout the room. Um, Some with an arm, leg, or head missing. Others knocked on their side. And very few that stand, uh, like, seemingly untouched completely. Mm-hmm. And that is when y- you hear it. A-, a low grunt and some loud, lumbering strides. On the far side of the room, you can kind of see something moving along the cave wall. Okay. Should I do a perception check? Yeah, roll a perception check. I always forget what it's, it's wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 18. Okay. 
I would say that your torch is probably on the ground, right? I mean, yeah, I fell. <laughs> yeah, it was put out by the water. Um, mm-hmm. But there is still like natural light in here. Uh, yeah. It's just kind of like the corners of this room are are harder to see. But you're able to get a general shape of this thing regardless. It seems to be a rather large beast, about 10 feet from head to tail. And it seems to be like about, you know, standing about as tall as what kibble would be. It's hard to tell exactly what color they are, but there's red spikes that line its back. And you can also tell that this creature seems like it has one, two, three, four legs on one side, and which should be four on the other, although one leg seems to be cut off by about the knee. Mm. Every time it kind of steps on that side, you see it kind of like dip down there a little bit. The thing that you notice most, though, and the thing that you are most focused on is the glowing blue eye at the top of its head. Mm. Okay. My eyes widen as I realize another visual from my dream is here interesting i want to sneak to get a closer look okay i'm gonna say you can make a stealth check at disadvantage based mm-hmm. on the way that you enter <laughs> yeah that's uh, fair. this area 14 okay not bad could be a lot worse yeah you can tell that you land in here in the way you did and maybe you and kibble kind of yelling at each other Mm -hmm. may have stirred whatever this is a little bit but it hasn't necessarily set its full sights on you yet so you kind of quickly scurry over to one of the statues and you know do your best like (laughs) posing along it's you know trying trying to hide behind it as best you can and, and just observe yeah i mean the statue would be bigger than me so that's fair yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you would be at its leg, right? Most of the statue's legs, you know, which are right. probably... <laughs> yeah, more open. spots, yeah. But yeah, you know, you find one that has fallen to the side and kind of like slide behind it. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm a little closer, can I do a nature check to determine what I'm looking at? Like what kind of animal? I would say um, instead it would be an arcana check. Okay. Oh, now one. <laughs> you you can tell it's not an animal. Okay. It just seems to be a monster. Okay. Hmm. What to do since I've taken so much damage from just getting here? <laughs> <laughs> can I take a closer look? Not get closer, but can I focus more on the missing leg? Is there anything of note about it? I would say if you want to get a better look at this beast you would need to move a little bit closer which would just involve mm. rolling another stealth check yeah is there anything past it is there like more cave uh roll a perception check 16 you do see like another cave passage that leads into this cavern okay i can't yell to kivel to tell him what i'm doing but i'm gonna sneak past the monster to go to the other cave entrance. Uh, yeah, roll a stealth check. Ten. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you move along and you get about halfway of the distance to where this other cave is. Uh, when you hear Kivel yell out, Bree, 
where are you going? <laughs> and then you hear kind of a big grunt as uh, this head starts to turn towards you. Oh, man. And Kip was like, what was that? <laughs> Turned towards me. He was the motherfucker who was yelling. Well, yeah, you're like a little below him. So, you yeah. know, the head would probably be looking up at Kibble. Fair. But you are kind of exposed as you're sneaking along. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do? So uh, I picture it like Kibble's at the top of this like sheer face of a cliff that leads down into the. It's more like a hole in the ceiling. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, he's at the top of this like hole. Can I tell if the monster is tall enough to, to reach him? It is not that tall, no. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use a key point to do step of the wind. Okay. To just, I just, as much movement as I can away towards, like, the back of this new clearing. You're just full sprint. There's no yeah. stealthiness to this. Right. Uh, okay. Yeah. You move along. Uh, Kivel like, sees you sprinting. He has heard the kind of loud lumbering of this beast but hasn't gotten like a sight of it Mm -hmm. uh so he's like where are you going uh and you sprint and yeah you hit this cave uh Mm -hmm. and you hear the thing yell out again uh and then you hear kibble saying oh my god (laughs) as i'm dashing i I just want to yell worry not tybalt worry not And yeah, uh, <laughs> what do you do once you hit the cave? So where is this beast going? You're taking a look back, I assume? Yeah. The beast seems to make a few steps towards like right below where Kivel is mm-hmm. and like is just like looking up. It stands on its hind legs. doesn't even get close, but it does like seem to kind of be looking up, giving a little roar okay. at him. More focused on him because he's been yelling. Right. Although it does seem to like acknowledge <laughs> like <laughs> you were here right yeah it's, it's not gonna forget where was this blue eye by the way was it just one of its eyes was blue or did it have like a blue eye on its like forehead or something where its eye would be okay okay and you would probably get the sense that both the eyes are blue um mm-hmm. but you only saw it from like one side so okay i don't want to fully abandon kibble but i also don't think i can fight this thing <laughs> Uh, why? And but like he's safe. Like as long as he doesn't jump down, he'll be fine. I'll yell up to him from my somewhat safe distance, and I'll say, uh, "Stay away from the edge, Kivel." You see his eyes widen. (laughs) 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. And he like steps back. (laughs) I'm sure there will be another point where we can meet, but for now, I'm going to advance further into the cave. Okay. And you just are continuing to sprint along. Mm Mm-hmm. As you're just sprinting along, roll a perception check. Okay. Oh, cool. Six. Uh, You keep moving along. You notice it's kind of like going upwards in a curve. The ceiling of the cave or the floor? Uh, Both, I suppose. Uh, In general, you're moving upwards as you're heading up this cave path. Gotcha. Kind of like diagonal upwards. Mm -hmm. Okay. Am I in an area that I'm certain that the monster is it's like too narrow for the monster to fit or do you think it could still follow me? you do not get that sense you're kind mm. of look, looking around and from your perspective this is a huge cave right <laughs> you know uh it's hard to tell you don't really get the yeah. sense that this is too small for it though okay then i i keep running are there more any more statues this way yeah there's various statues kind mm-hmm. of uh along the path that you're just like <laughs> dodging between all <laughs> right okay 
yeah, so I, I keep making my way upwards. Cool. Yeah, eventually you break into a bigger cavern where a light is shining from the ceiling. And you see kind of a statue on the edge right in front of you and Kivel on the other side of a gap. Okay, wait. You feel like you have uh, moved, the, the path that you have taken has brought you back to the other side uh, Oh, I see. Of where the gap is in the same room that you were in okay. that you dropped down into. Yeah, so Kivel would be facing me. So yeah, he's facing you. He's okay, on the okay. other side. Uh, and, and in front of you are those statues that were holding each other. Interesting. Okay. As I kind of make my way back up, I lock eyes with Kivel And I say, Tybalt, I found you. Uh, oh, uh, yeah, hey. Where's the beast gone? Is it still down there? Do you like look over? Yeah, I like kind of peek over. Yeah, you look down and you do not see it. Okay. No, it seems to, I mean, I think it it may have uh, gone down some path. I, I kind of lost sight of it. I didn't have a good angle. Hmm. I have a theory. Uh, I'm going to start kicking the hands of the statue that's like hanging on <laughs> to try to break them off and make it fall. Yeah. Uh, roll, roll an attack. 21. Uh, yeah, that hits. Roll damage. <laughs> Only four damage. Okay. Uh, that is enough to break off the hand of uh, the one gripping up because they were really just by the fingertips. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it starts to fall and then hits the ground and breaks in half. <laughs> it just shatters to a million pieces. Yeah. Uh, did Is there any like sound to be heard? I mean, obviously the shattering, but... Roll a perception check. Ten. You hear it kind of echo out very loudly. Mm -hmm. A couple moments later, you kind of hear down below grunts in the lumbering stride of uh, the beast again as it heads towards the sound. You see it kind of like go down and like sniff it a bit. Mm -hmm. Tivil, I have a plan. Yeah? Are we breaking the statues now? Isn't this craftsman going to be mad? It was the necessary distraction for the beast. Oh, yeah. Do you think the beast ate the craftsman? Oh, my God. Well, either way, we're getting to the bottom of this. I have a plan. Toss me the rope. Yeah, throws you the rope. I tie it around the statue that's still there on the edge. <laughs> okay. Now, Tivil, I need you to pull it as tightly as possible. Yeah, he holds onto it and is able to you know a slack line <laughs> it's like perfectly tense uh, i mean certainly not perfectly tense right if he's holding it but yeah pretty tense okay now i need you to hold it there perfectly and i i begin to try to like tightrope walk across <laughs> okay <laughs> can i do an acrobatics check yeah roll an acrobatics check the dc is going to be pretty high on this one <laughs> Uh, let's see. I have proficiency. It's dexterity. This should be good. Nine. <laughs> Here's what I'll do. I'll have him make a strength check real quick. <laughs> okay. Uh, as you're walking, he's kind of like shaky. Mm -hmm. And as you are, don't have perfect balance, you, you know, cat out of window, start flailing <laughs> and you fall to the side. You are able to grasp her the rope. So I'll have you make a deck saving to throws to see if you can like kind of grab on and, and hold it well. Oh, eight. <laughs> <laughs> 
Eight. <laughs> okay. You have one hand on it, uh, and and with this, it has caused Kivle to, like, slide forward. Mm-hmm. So he's no longer holding it taut. This thing is, like, sagging down, and he is kind of sliding towards the edge with it, and you are losing your grip. What do you want to try to do? <laughs> Ironically, I'm in the exact position the statues were in. It's like, <laughs> kicked it, bro. Kicked them. one down, yeah. Is, is the statue... Holding its ground, is it heavy enough to support both of our weight? You definitely get the sense that if Kivel goes over, it won't. You, know, <laughs> okay. you can't see it moving a bit, but as it's just really holding yours at the moment, uh-huh. uh, but you do feel like your finger is peeling off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Okay. I'm going to shout to Kibble. Kibble, let go. What? Just listen, let go. Okay, and he uh, lets go, and you start swinging. I'm going to say, as it's going, Uh your hand comes off of it. No! (laughs) Uh, But I will say, like, it's moving, and you're kind of moving with it. You are off of it. Yeah. Do not have a grip, but I will allow you to make another deck save to see if you can get, like, one final grasp on it this is like kind of a tiered deck save so there are different Mm. states of failure and success on it okay Ooh. okay 21 21 with that as you're reaching out you lose it for a second and you start falling uh, but the rope moves with you and you're able to grab onto it mid-air uh just like waving your arms in the right way uh and and swing down Pretty much, though, with this maneuver, there's no way to really avoid how fast you are moving Mm -hmm. unless you had rolled, like, probably 25 plus. Yeah. Uh, You have grasped the rope Mm -hmm. uh, and you are sliding, but you do have it. So I'd let you make, like, an athletics check Mm -hmm. of just, like, wrapping your arms and legs around it to try to stop the slide as best you can. Okay. Let's see. Does a three make it? <laughs> you hit the ground and take two points of bludgeoning damage oh. as your knees shake again in a similar sort of way as they did before. Uh, and this beast is probably about 30 feet from you. Cool. I'm going to have you roll initiative. <laughs> 16. All right, you got 16. People got 15. And... This will make you feel good. The beast got a nat one. So oh, that's good. You are up first. Also, as you look at him, at this beast, and see its blue eyes starting to lock on you, you feel a little weird. You get the sense that being this close and, and looking at it is probably n- not good. Right. So mechanically, I won't tell you what to do, but (laughs) you probably have an option to take a risk by continuing to look at it or trying to, you know, not look at it. I I will not look at it, but because I am so small and it is tall, I'm going to keep my eyes focused on its legs. Okay. So I have an idea of where it is at least, but I'm not looking at it in the eyes. Does it look angry? (laughs) It seems like, yeah. Yeah, it's a threat. Yes. Okay. I'm going to hold my walking stick with two hands and I'm just going to run towards it. And so you said there's a missing leg. Is there like a fresh wound? No, it seems old. It seems like an old wound. Uh, you know, as you're a little closer to it now and can see its skin, it seems scarred. Like it's been in many battles with different things. And, and that just seems to be one of the yeah 
You know what? I'm actually not going to run towards it. I'm still going to take my walking stick in both hands, but I'm going to, like, tap it on the ground, you know, like Gandalf, like, bonking on the ground. Yeah. And, like, call its attention to me. But I'm also going to yell to Tybalt. Kivel. (laughs) (laughs) I always think of Tybalt from Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Um, (laughs) uh, I'm going to yell to Kivel to be ready with the canteen. I'm going to say... Tibble to be ready with the canteen. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you can hear him, like, <laughs> rustling through stuff. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm just, like, knocking my stick on the ground to get his attention. Okay. And I will take my turn. That's it. Yeah, so you are you are not looking at it fully, but just kind of, like, mm-hmm. hitting the ground, trying to avert your eyes as best as possible. Yeah. Kibble is up next. He's going to kind of like lean over. You see him like holding the canteen from above and he's going to yell out, it's going to be okay. Just think about the meal we'll have when all of this is over, which is him casting healing word on you. Oh, damn. (laughs) Our little bard boy finally getting to. Yeah, I forgot he was a bard. (laughs) I thought it was just a guy. Um, No, no, no. He's he's a bard food blogger. (laughs) That is uh, the angle I've taken with him. You heal uh, six. Oh, nice. So that probably helps a bit. What are you, what are you at? 19. That's not terrible. Out of 21, right? yeah. Yeah, that's not bad. A nice heal. Sweet. Mm-hmm. And for his action, he pulls a dagger from his side, uh, which will, like, uh, flavor-wise, it's like a knife. Like, yeah. Like, like <laughs> it's for cooking, for right. sure. Uh, but he's going to toss it just down, like, straight down at the beast. Oh, he threw the knife. Yeah, he's throwing the knife at the beast. Okay. You know? Like he's he's waiting for your instruction, but also like this you are <laughs> you are a tiny gnome. Yeah. And there is a big beast like towering over you. So he's a little nervous. So that'll be his action. That's fair. Unfortunately it misses. It just <laughs> hits the ground <laughs> next to this big thing. Well, it probably like bounces off one of its scales or something. Uh huh. Um, is it near me at all? The dagger? Yeah. Let me make a roll for it. Mm-hmm. If it's above a 15, I'll say it bounces towards you. 17, yeah. It bounces towards you, probably within, like, 5, 10 feet. Okay. So that is his turn. Yeah. I'm just strategizing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beast is up next, and it is going to roar out Mm -hmm. and move towards you. You know, the one making noise, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's going to move up to you and make an attack. Okay. Does a 12 hit? It actually doesn't. Nice. You, like, are trying to avoid its gaze, you know, in general. So you're really just focusing on, like, timing of sounds, Mm. you know. (laughs) Uh, And you step to the side as it takes a bite uh, and misses. Okay. Uh, And that is its turn. So it's back to you. Fuck. Okay. Trying to think about what the smartest move is here. I'm going to have Kivel toss me the canteen. So I yell up, Kivel, drop the canteen down to me. Okay. So you're like readying your action to... To catch it. Okay. What do you want to do when it's like tossed to you? I want him to drop it like directly above me so I don't have to move too much to grab it. Mm -hmm. But I want to try to catch it. And my plan is to get this beast to eat it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We love that, yeah. Hopefully while it's on fire or something. Yeah, or, or you set it on, yeah. Yeah, that's my okay. idea. Here's what I'll say is 
if you would like to do that, I'd say catching it will be a bonus action, uh -huh. and then you can you know take your action. However, if he's throwing it down, you have your eyes down. Right. If you would like to try to catch it, you have to have disadvantage if your eyes are down because uh -huh. you're not like getting a good look. Otherwise, you could look up. It would involve maybe certain things happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, or like, you know, there, there's risk in that way as well. Um, but you would not have to roll at disadvantage for it. Right. You know what? I'm not even going to catch it. Instead, I'm going to let it fall to the ground and pick it up the next chance I get. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, so it took a bite. I'm guessing its head is closer to me now. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to run for the dagger. Okay. This will provoke an attack of opportunity Shit. unless you want to use your action to disengage. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Okay. I'm going to use Step of the Wind to disengage and run to the freaking dagger. Okay, so bonus action disengage. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, and then my action will be picking up the dagger, right? I'd give you a free action for that. You can just pick it up. Because it's only like five or ten, of, ten feet away, could I still attack in this act, in this turn? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you you would have to throw it, right, to hit it. But that's like a dex bonus, so you probably have abilities in that. Yeah, but I can't look at it. Uh, true. So you would have to attack with disadvantage. Right. Or you could look at it. You know. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to do that. You could just look, man. <laughs> I'm gonna throw the knife. Okay. Well, actually, maybe I'll be smarter than that. Maybe I'll use my action to just get a little closer, but I still won't look at this fucker. So just your movement? Yeah. I mean, you could use your movement to get next to it and then attack it. It would be a disadvantage still because even though it's a big thing, like I think part of your monk powers, right, are finding the weak spots, yeah. which you need to be looking at it and reading you know, it's body and movements, you know, so you'd kind of just be like punching at its leg. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to do <laughs> a lot. Ideal, yeah. But what I'm thinking is, for example, this knife, how rusty or reflective may or may it not be. It would be in really good condition. Okay. I mean, he would keep it in good condition. Okay. I'm going to try to approach and just like hold the knife while Glancing very briefly to make sure I'm being accurate, I want to hold the knife directly over the eye. Like just kind of blocking? Yeah, reflecting the eye back at itself and hopefully covering it It's in, in its entirety so I don't have to see it. Got it. All right. That's my turn. <laughs> you kind of hold it up and, and uh, try to have that gaze go. Mm -hmm. The next round you hear... Uh, plop on the ground <laughs> as the canteen hits. Is it still closed or did it open on the fall? It does seem to be closed. Okay. It did not uh, break open. Kivel's looking down. He's looking at you. He's looking at this beast. And while Bree seems to feel like he has it under control, mm -hmm. that is not Kivel's perception. <laughs> so you don't necessarily see all of this as you are not like looking up. Right. But, you know, from the movie view of it, uh, Kivel is going to try to kind of jump the gap and, and grab onto the rope and start sliding <laughs> oh, no. down. Uh, so he's going to try to get down to you guys. <laughs> so let's see how that goes. Okay, that is a nine. <laughs> <laughs> so he kind of hits and uh, similar to you starts like next to the rope near it, like moving down, but free from it. He's going to make a deck saving throw to see if he can grip it. Mm -hmm. 
Oh god. Uh, that is. <laughs> that's a nat one. Oh boy. He's just trying to do everything I'm doing, but he's failing. But he does it worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, he he is going to pretty much be free falling <laughs> this sixty feet. Oh god, Kibble. Let's see what happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he kind of hits the side, tries to grab, and just falls. So he, he ends up falling 60 feet. <laughs> it's going to take 6d6 damage. Oh, no. uh, let's see how it does. <laughs> just the story of him falling today. I know. So he takes 21 damage. Oh, my God. As he hits the ground and just yells out. <laughs> He's still up. You get the sense not by much. Yeah. <laughs> But still up, uh, <laughs> uh, lo looking pretty worse for wear. He then is prone. I'm going to say that's his action and movement. He's still going to have a bonus action. Mm -hmm. And you just hear him whispering to himself, it's okay, Kivel. <laughs> you got this. As he casts healing word on himself. Okay. So he heals five. And it looks a little better. Still not good. Yeah. Uh, still not good. The two of you are in, in a bit of a state. Mm -hmm. Um, okay, yeah, and, and you are kind of blocking the eye with this knife to the best of your ability, yeah. seeing if shining the eye back will do anything to it. As it's a small reflection, mm -hmm. I'm going to make a roll for the beast to see like if it really is catching it, right? Because sure. it's not like a big full mirror right. or like it's, it's reflection in the water or something. And I'm not looking. Yeah, this is a small knife and you're aiming... <laughs> Uh, aiming your best. I, I think it's better if you make the roll, actually. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say a d20 roll, 15 or higher, it kind of catches a glimpse of itself in the knife. Okay. Mm, five. <laughs> no, <yeah. laughs> Unfortunately, uh, it's just kind of too small. Mm -hmm. Like it sees the kind of maybe the light of its eye move by, but you kind of get the sense that it has some control over what it does things on and doesn't necessarily peg this reflection as a threat in this moment. Yeah. Not to say that it could never work. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it just but, wasn't good yeah. enough. Yeah, not in this case. The beast then is going to try to bite you. Okay. God dang. Uh, that's a 12 to hit. It does not hit. I'm trying to kill my player. <laughs> it uh, yeah, it bites down again and you just kind of do a step to mm. the side back to the top of the order, you are up. Okay, this time, fuck it, I'm gonna try to stab him in the eye. Uh, okay, uh, you can make an attack at disadvantage. Fuck! <laughs> uh, eight. Eight will miss, unfortunately. Yeah. Can I still use movement even though I already attacked? I forget. You can, yeah. I need to run to the canteen now. <laughs> okay, um, that will provoke unless you use uh, another key point. Oh, it's my last key point, though. Fairness, it's missed you every time it's tried to attack I know, you, so. and I do have a move that lets me dodge using a key point, so I think it's safer to save it for that. You could use patient defense here as your bonus action. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, just in case he attacks me. He would have disadvantage on his attack, and then on his next attack against you, patient defense would still be active. Yeah, why don't I... Do that because it is something that affects two turns rather than just one. All right. Uh, so he does get an attack of opportunity, but it is at disadvantage. And the first roll was a three. And the second roll, yeah, well, that would have also <laughs> missed. So bad. Bad shit for okay. him. Uh, yeah, you uh, run run past and are able to get to the canteen of pitch. <laughs> for some reason, I thought you were going to say canteen of piss. <laughs> <laughs> Our secret weapon. 
<laughs> we will kill this beast with this. Okay. That's a turn. Let's see. Our boy Kivel is up. He is going to kind of dust himself off, and you see him put a hand on his chest, mm-hmm. uh, and he's going to cast Cure Wounds on himself. Okay, smart. I did not want him to fall 60 feet. Yeah. That was not my hope. <laughs> I wanted the companion to be more useful. Um, but he's going to heal 10. So he's oh. actually starting to look pretty good. Okay. He rolled the 7 plus 3. Uh, still, you know, he looks magically good, you know, but there are bruises on him and whatnot. Right. Um, so that's his action. He's going to stand up and smile at you with like a half-hearted smile. We've... We've got this. We've got this. Uh, and and uh, that'll be his inspiration. Like, okay. Just think of how delicious this meal. It'll, it'll be like those days as a child when your family made you something and you didn't know what went in it, but it felt like home nonetheless. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, you, you, you feel inspired so you can add a D6 to a roll. Okay, perfect. So that is his turn. He, though does not really avert his eyes from this thing because he doesn't understand oh, it. Yeah. So he's kind of like looking at it, taking it in. He is going to have to make a roll, a constitution saving throw, mm-hmm. which he gets an at 20. Um, good for him. He's like kind of looking at it and he's like, oh, this thing makes me feel a little weird. <laughs> what, what, what is this? We, we got to take it out. I'm working on it, Tibble. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. The beast then is going to continue towards you as uh, Kivil has not made an action towards it, uh, but he does have disadvantage. So it is going to attack you. First roll is a 16. Second roll is a 13. 13 does not hit. Sweet. It tries to bite you again. <laughs> you know, I think it's used to biting at uh, Bigger targets, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just keeps being a little too high. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you are up now. Okay. I'm going to pick up the canteen. I'm going to open the top and throw the the cap away. And I'm also going to stab, I'm guessing it's like a leather or like a- Yeah. Yeah, some kind of hide. Um, I'm gonna make a hole towards the bottom, kind of like how if you wanna open a can really fast, you gotta yeah. get the airflow in, cause it's a yeah, real thick naturally. goo. So now I have it's like flowing. Here's the thing though. If it just bit at me, I'm guessing the mouth isn't open, so. I'm wondering how to get this in his mouth now. I'd say, like, I mean, you could take a look. Yeah, can I do a perception check to kind of see where the opening might be to throw it in? Yes, you will need to make a constitution saving throw. Right, because I have to look right at him. Yeah. Okay. And that's a five. (laughs) A five. Yeah. Uh, You get a look at it. (laughs) Okay. And you see its mouth is partially open. Mm Mm-hmm and you feel like you could toss it in. You do feel your legs start to stiffen. Okay, that's not good. As soon as I feel this, and I'm able to confirm that I could get the canteen in his mouth, I'm going to, let's, I don't know if this would count as an action, but I want to light the canteen on fire first, like a Molotov, mm-hmm. and then throw it in with like a match, and then throw it in. I'd say the setup would be a bonus action, mm-hmm. and then the throw would be your action. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to light a match, light the where the lid is, and then I'm going to throw it <laughs> into his mouth. Alternatively, you are right by it, and you are by its mouth. You could kind of, like, try to do essentially, like, a, a 
punch of it in, yeah. you know, like like a strike with it in your hand and try to drop it off. It might lead to like potentially scraping its tooth or something. Yeah. Let me try throwing it first, and if it misses, I'll pick it back up or something. Okay. Roll a dex plus proficiency. Fuck! <laughs> That's a seven. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it starts on fire and moves right past it. Mm -hmm. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> Is it near Kibble <laughs> by chance? He would be within range of grabbing it for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> You definitely feel like your movement is restricted, uh -huh. as in in this moment you have half movement. Okay. <laughs> and and yeah, you get the sense it's kind of like creeping along your legs. Mm -hmm. That you? Yeah, that's my turn. Oh man, these rolls are so bad. Uh, okay. I'm gonna yell. Well, I already did a bonus action. I don't know if I can yell. You can yell. I'll yell to Kivel. Kivel, grab the canteen. He like looks at you and then looks at the canteen and sprints over and picks it up uh, and then kind of like looks back to you. Try to get it in its mouth while it's on fire. <laughs> He's like holding it by the thread <laughs> as it's starting to really like move up and get hot and blaze. He is going to kind of step around and kind of try to swing it in its mouth. He will have to make a con saving throw mm -hmm. as he's looking at it. A 15, so he is good. Okay. Yeah, he's going to make attack. Do you want to do the roll for it? Sure. Uh, so roll a d20 and then add five. Yeah, because my rolls have been so good so far, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. Nine. <laughs> you rolled a four? Yeah. Jesus <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> This is so bad. <laughs> I know. I'm going to say as he's holding it, it does like hit the side of the beast. Mm -hmm. And like it does seem like some of the pitch sticks to it and starts like pouring out on the scales. Although it's hard to tell if it's having a huge effect. Right. Uh, you also see some of it get on Kivel's hands. Mm -hmm. Yells out in pain and drops it. Yeah. He's on fire. <laughs> so that's Kivel. Where did the canteen land? <laughs> He kind of like hit the side of it, so it's still probably like about in front. I mean, because he, yeah, he would have run up to about the beast's mouth mm -hmm. to try to get into it. So it's probably within like grabbing distance for you. Okay. It is now the beast's turn. <laughs> it is going to turn its attention to Kibble as Kibble just made the attack mm -hmm. um, and take a bite at him. 15. That will hit. So he's going to spend his second Bardic Inspiration to use Cutting Words to try to get this thing to not hit him. Mm -hmm. And that's minus six. So it is uh, it is going to miss with the bite. Uh, so, yeah, that's a nine to hit as it ends up. And, it, yeah, it misses. So it is on you. Your legs are starting to stiffen. You don't really get a look at them. I mean, if you want, you get the sense that they're turning to stone. <laughs> Well, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. And you said how far is the canteen? It's probably within five feet. Yeah. It is pretty on fire, so you get the sense know, that yeah. picking it up will cause some damage to you. I'm going to pick it up. <laughs> okay. And I'm going to throw it in the mouth. Okay. I'm going to swing it by the string like a, like a sling. 
over my head. As you pick it up, you will take uh, two points mm. of fire damage as just some gets on you. Uh, but then you are slinging it at it. Okay. I take a deep breath and, and think of all the meals I can create with its blood. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, roll the hit. 19. 19? Yes. Uh, 19, it's like opening its mouth <laughs> to try to devour you. And yeah, it just hits in the back of it. And you hear it go, boom, boom. And uh, yeah, it's kind of deep in there. It's also like such a tarry substance mm -hmm. that like, you know, even when you were picking it up from the ground, like it had a little resistance. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't seem like it's easy to spit it out. Right. It's like sticking to the esophagus. Yeah. You get the sense that like it's not necessarily going to immediately kill this thing, mm -hmm. but it is definitely hurting it a fair amount from the inside. You don't really get any impact damage, mm -hmm. but I will say uh, it'll do 3d6 fire damage around. Okay. So you can roll the 3d6 if you'd like. Six total. <laughs> That's terrible. I know it was all twos. <laughs> oh, no. My rolls are so all bad. Right. Uh, is your turn done or? That is my turn. Okay. I need you to make another con save. Okay. Okay, that's a nat one. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> I know. You feel it crawling up to about your waist now. Mm -hmm. You get the sense you are pretty stuck in place. Okay. And based on the way it's moved, you feel like there aren't going to be all that many more chances <laughs> to have it stop before being turned to stone. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, okay. Kibble is up. The fuck is Kibble going to do? If he was a coward, he would just run, cast invisibility and run away. Yeah. <laughs> but he's not a coward. He's going to cast Thunder Wave on this thing. Okay. And try to kind of push it back. So he kind of steps around the beast to move out of range of you so he doesn't hit you with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and he's going to cast Thunder Wave. Uh, he does eight points of damage. Nice. Finally, someone's doing damage to something. Yeah. <laughs> the, the beast is starting to look a little, you know, it hadn't really been hit until these last two rounds. Yeah. So it's starting to get uh, uh, some damage on it. It also gets pushed back 10 feet, which I always like to count this. If someone gets pushed out of range, you do get the attack of opportunity. Okay. So you can make an attack of opportunity on it. Is the head low enough for me to even hit it, though? Yeah, you could hit it. Okay. I'm going to two-hand my walking stick and try to just fucking jab it. Okay. Yeah. 17 to hit. That'll hit. Four <laughs> damage. Yeah, you give it a hit. Fucking poke him. Yeah, cool. That is Kivel's turn. The beast, then, is going to turn to him and bite at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 22 to hit. So he Jesus, takes, yeah. Kibble takes 10 damage uh, total. And he's back to looking pretty bad. Yeah. Good thing he healed himself, though. Yeah. Cool, that is that is the beast's turn. It is back to you. Okay. I'm going to do something a little controversial. <laughs> I'm going to drop my walking stick. Or maybe I should throw it. <laughs> no, I'm going to drop it, and then I'm just going to charge at its head to punch it really hard it is within range uh you can't your legs are like stone, oh right so i forgot about the you stone can't, yeah. legs. <laughs> slowly turned to snow <laughs> can i still punch it yeah 
It is within range. I'm just going to punch it. 22 to hit. That'll hit. Seven damage. Nice. Finally. Getting some damage finally. <laughs> I'm finally rolling anything other than fucking fives. Terrible. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then you also get to uh, do a 3d6 as you see, like, you know, it's still like kind of choking on mm. this pitch that's stuck in its mouth. Yeah, now we're beating the shit out of it. Seven. <laughs> that's pretty good. Better than before. Instead of all twos, it's two twos and a three. <laughs> now you have to make a constitution uh, saving throw. Okay. 11. <laughs> Can I add bardic inspiration? <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. I'll tell you what, though. It doesn't matter what you roll. The DC for this is 12. <laughs> so Okay, cool. Uh, it will save. Yeah. You sense a future for a moment <laughs> yeah. of, it, of it going up to your chest and almost being done with it. But instead, uh, you think of the words mm. that Kivel <laughs> gave. Uh, and, and it starts to recede. Not fully. It doesn't fully go away. Right. But it goes down uh, back to your knees. Okay. And you feel like you get a little bit of slow movement, but you feel like you have a little bit of movement back. Perfect. I think that's my turn. Cool. Kivel is up. Kivel just needs to heal mm -hmm. himself. He's going to cast it at second level to get a little bit more healing, because otherwise he's probably going to fucking die. Yeah. Sweet. He heals 11. Back to looking okay. He has to make a constitution saving throw to uh, push off the gaze. And yeah, you see, you kind of look over at him and you see his feet starting to turn to stone. Oh no. Uh, and that's him. The beast is up. <laughs> you got a nice hit. So I think it's gonna turn to you and try to make an attack. Mm -hmm. Jesus fucking Christ. You're only terrible, but I am as well. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a nine to hit. No, does not. Okay, yeah, it'll bite past you, continuing to bite above you. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, back up to you. Too short. I'm gonna punch him again as he fails his bite. I'm gonna fucking sock him one. 13. 13 will miss, unfortunately. No. Do I need to do my saving throw as well? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, 16. 16 saves. You feel your feet are back to their normal moving state. Oh, hell yeah. Moving. <laughs> Roll an intelligence check. 16. You don't necessarily feel immune to the effects, uh -huh. right? But you can tell that this seems to be out of your system for now. Okay. Kivel is up. If he were to take a look at you, how would you be looking, like, health-wise? Oh, uh, me? Clearly, like, wounded, but not out of the fight at all. Still pretty energetic. Okay. Uh, I think he would use his last bardic inspiration on you mm -hmm. and just, like, say, we can do this, right? We can do this. We can do this half believe in it you know? yeah but uh so you can have another bardic inspiration Perfect. oh you also get to do 3d6 uh the fire damage. oh yeah eight that's good uh this thing is starting to look worse and worse at mm. least the inside of its mouth like you can see like it's starting to get severe burns and blood kind of moving along it yeah. uh it is still up obviously but looking pretty bad yeah welcome kibble what does he want to do? <laughs> Kivel will do, as you said, a controversial thing. And he will pull out his rapier uh, oh. and make an attack with his sword. Wow. <laughs> Whoa, <a> weapon? <laughs> uh, <laughs> who would have thought these two cooks could attack? Yeah, uh, yeah he's going to try to poke it. That's a nat one, though. Okay. <laughs> God damn. I mean, we are cooks, so it's it's canon. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. 
and then he has to make a constitution saving throw. It is up to his waist. Mm. The beast is up. I think it's still trying to attack you, yeah. um, unfortunately. Especially with Kivel's miss. That's a 15 to hit? That hits. You've been dodging so well. I know. And it's sort of, of course, as soon as I'm out of the stone. Yeah. You take four points of piercing damage. Okay. And then five points of poison damage. Oh, God. You also, like, you don't take fire damage, but you feel like if it gets any closer down its mouth, you would. Oh, no. My plan is backfired. It backfired. <laughs> Literally backfired. Um, shit. <laughs> All right. You are up. Okay. Oh, I'm not looking good now. Okay. Um, with all my might, I'm going to try to just fucking shore you can right in the jaw. Okay. 17. 17 will hit. All right. I wish my punches did more damage, but fuck. Four. Four. Okay. Then let me do my con save. 12. 12 just saves. Ooh. And then here's the fire damage. Oh, do I need to do poison damage, or am I not poisoned? I just took poison damage. Uh, you just took poison okay. damage, yeah. Finally, okay. That's 10 fire damage on him. 10 fire damage. With that, you see, like, the last of the pitch kind of start to explode in its mouth, and it, like, puts one claw down, puts the other, gives a roar, and you see it, like, start sliding down on its legs, not able to keep itself up anymore. It hits down, it tries to like rear its head, go for a bite again, but loses it. Mm -hmm. And you just see like its mouth now has completely like been pushed out by this fire in, in pitch that's been stuck inside of it. And you see its eyes don't close, but it does start to stop moving except for like the continued burn <laughs> uh, of it, which kind of moves some of the skin, but it seems to be dead. Yay. <laughs> However, the effects of its magics do not seem to be dead. Mm -hmm. You look over at Kivil, whose torso is <laughs> covered, and it seems to continue to be spreading. So I'm going to have to make some rolls for him mm -hmm. <laughs> to, to see Kivil's fate. As he's, like, struggling with the stone creeping up his body, I'm going to kind of hobble over and say, well, Kivil, the magic may not be completely gone, but... Look at the bright side. It would be terribly awkward for all the statues you broke. You see like a look of realization come over his face <laughs> and a little bit of horror. But he's looking down. You do see it go down back to his knees mm -hmm. as he's like kind of trying to fight this thing off. <laughs> and then eventually it hits all the way down to his feet and vanishes. Mm -hmm. uh, and then he falls down to his knees and vomits. Oh, no. There, there, young man. <laughs> I'm just like patting his back. Yeah. Soon we'll have a meal you can never forget. What was this creature, by the way? Bree can roll an arcana check. Ten. You would know some legends of different creatures that can turn things to stone, mm -hmm. which obviously this thing could. You, you've heard of Medusas, mm -hmm. but this doesn't really seem to fit the bill. The closest thing that you've heard that seems to be kind of like a more beast in nature would be a basilisk. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I look at its eye, do I start to feel the fucking stone effects still? No. Okay. I'd like to approach the eye and cut it out with the cooking knife. Okay. Make a, this will be... Medicine? Survival. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like butchering? Yeah. 18. 
you are able to uh, plop it out easily enough. Cool. Is it still like glowing or is it just a little, has it lost its luster? It seems to still be glowing. Yeah. Okay. Can I do an arcana check on the eye itself? Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'd be able to have advantage because I've seen it before in a dream or if that's not enough. Roll an arcana check mm. just flat. Four. <laughs> Four. Okay. You don't really understand the magical properties mm. of it. What you can say, like, as you hold it and think of your dream, for whatever reason, like, the instinct that you have with it is let it dry and make it a powder. Okay. That's just like, you know, you're like, this is how it should be prepared. Mm -hmm. You just know instinctively because of the dream you have. Okay. Looking around the, like, remnants of the cave, is there any other... There is like a further passage, right? Or no, that just led back up the, to where we were. The other passage just led back yeah. up. Yeah. So I guess we can, now that I feel like I have something that could resemble a powder, maybe we get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Uh, it does have two glowing eyes if you'd like to take Oh, why don't I take the other one too? Double your supplies. Yeah. Do you yeah. want me to do another survival check? Um, I'll say that you had an 18. Yeah. That's enough to get both mm -hmm. of them out well and, and without any like. I already had experience with one. Yeah. Cool. I got a pair of blue eyes, blue eyes, white dragon. <laughs> it it only took like two hours to get there. I've, I've been waiting. I, I've been waiting. I mean, listen, I'm a three, I'm a three feet tall chef. <laughs> this was like a dragon fight for me. Yeah. Um, awesome. Awesome. Uh, so yeah, the, the two of you tired, battered, start, mm. start heading out of the cave. And now you hit your challenges in, in reverse. Mm -hmm. How would you like to handle the gap as you make your way through the passage and, and hit the gap? Yeah, the gap is a new problem now, huh? Yeah. I will say on the side you're on, it is slightly higher up. Mm -hmm. And it's about a 10-foot jump. So where like the other way, the jump would have been really precarious. Right. Uh, this is a little more manageable. But I am three feet tall. Yeah, this is true. There's also like the ledge that you could sidle along. Mm -hmm. I will say to uh, <laughs> Kibble. Kibble, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Tibble? I was going to call Ribble? him Vigo for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I will say to Kibble, Tibble, jump across the gap and, while holding the rope for me, please. I, that rope, well. Did we lose the rope? Or wouldn't it still mm -hmm. be tied around the statue, actually? I think that the statue probably fell mm -hmm. with kibble oh true so the rope but that would mean the that the rope would be down there with you guys so you guys could have collected yeah uh easily enough yeah okay so i have him jump across okay yeah he's gonna tie it to himself this didn't go well for him last <laughs> that's time, the only yeah. way <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna take another 6d6 damage okay uh, no, he's gonna run and jump across that's a 16 mm -hmm. so that is enough he you know just hits the edge right and is able to get there and is holding the rope if you want to just kind of swing, you know, be let down easily enough or whatever. Yeah, my plan was to jump while he's holding the rope in case I fall. You can just quickly pull okay, me up. Okay, yeah. Make an athletics at advantage. 17. Yeah, easily enough. You're able to clear the jump without even the help of the rope, but it is a nice assurance. Perfect. Yeah, and then you hit the hallway soon after with crowded statues which you now know are victims <laughs> of the basilisk uh you see kivel staring long at the one that has the, the head he stepped yeah. on well kittle this is terribly awkward but do you think you murdered someone um or was it more like corpse desecration 
Um, I suppose it's only semantics after all. Well, I don't know. I don't know what happens when someone turns to stone. You were almost one of these. Think of that. He shudders and starts <laughs> climbing over. <laughs> Just continues along. He is very slowly moving, mm -hmm. you know, trying his best not to do anything that might uh, break any of them. Okay. And I kind of want to weave between the legs. Okay. Make a dex check. Make a dex check. Ooh, a nat one. <laughs> nat one. You are able to get through. Okay. Here is your choice. Mm -hmm. Either you break about the legs of 10 of these figures as you kind of bump into them, mm -hmm. or you take scrapes like that you just move along as you like your face hits one of the rocks, yeah. right? Or like your arm hits it, which will be damage. Can I just commit and just like shoulder check one of them? But I guess it would be like a knee check and just like cause a domino effect where there's like 50 of them just crumble. Yeah. <laughs> That's the choice, right? Is if you want to either care for leaving the statues yeah. relatively untouched or yourself. I'll, I'll choose to protect myself because we've already fucked up so many of these statues. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And if they're dead, they're dead. Yeah, right? I already have one of their arms. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Uh, bad time for ethics, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you move through and, yeah, we'll just say like as you push a little hard, uh, one falls, which causes another to fall. Uh, a lot of them break into different pieces, but mm. it does create an easy to walk through path <laughs> for you. Uh, Kibble kind of looks at you in horror and then just like turns and continues walking along. Like we, we he's like, I cannot, I, I, I cannot think about this. Anymore. <laughs> You're not one to talk, Dibbled. I, I know, I know. It just feels bad. We'll put a, make a poem about it. It'll make you feel better. He nods. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. And yeah, now you find yourselves at the base of, uh, the slope. Okay. Yeah. We have to work our way up the slope now, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'll just try to, like, march my way up using my walking stick to, like, get a foothold whenever I can, yeah. Yeah, I'd say make an athletics check. Okay. Thirteen. Thirteen. You make a few steps up, uh, and then you start to feel yourself slide, but you do see, like, one of the statues that's trying to climb up, like, mm -hmm. probably within arm's reach, if you'd like to try to make a deck save and throw it to like grab onto it to help stabilize. Yeah. 21. 21. Yeah. You're able to grab it. So you stop the slide and uh, start making your way up again. Uh, make another athletics check for me. Okay. 13. Pretty much the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. You get to the next point and you start to feel the ground coming out from under you, but you can reach for uh, another one. You feel like at this point, you're probably about two thirds of the way up. Uh, so you can make a deck save to try to grab another statue fuck it's in that one uh yeah you, you i changed dice too you begin sliding down um as you're sliding down you see kivel a little bit behind you mm -hmm. and you feel like you have three choices really <laughs> you can try to avoid everything in your path here and just go back to the bottom mm -hmm. you can try to have uh one of the statues below you like kind of stop your fall either by grabbing it or hitting it or like be towards kivel who could maybe reach a hand out and try to stop you okay i'm gonna just slide directly towards kivel and say catch me tibbled <laughs> um okay uh so i need you to make a another deck save mm -hmm. and he's going to make a strength save that is 18 
from my dex. Okay. Uh, you are able to grab onto him, and him with a 15 is able to hold his ground some more. Okay. <laughs> the two of you start trying to inch along again. Mm-hmm. Uh, make an athletics check. Nine. With a nine, I'll say you get pretty close to one of the statues and can try to like make a last, you know, breath of the wild stamina <laughs> yeah. out jump. Uh, this will be a disadvantage though for the deck save. Ten. Well, oh, cool. I was like, oh man, I got a seven. I better not get worse than that. Not one. <laughs> it's another. It's a different uh, yeah. die. Why? <laughs> Kibble is about like in line with you at this point, so you can't really slide into him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now you're kind of like, I can slide towards the next lower statue or just go to the bottom. I'll slide to the next lower statue. Okay. This will be another deck save, although there's a chance of getting hurt okay. <laughs> by hitting it. Uh, 15. 15? Uh, yeah, you are able to like kind of not grip it, but like move into it and like put your feet on it mm-hmm. to stop you. Um it does like kind of jar your knees a bit, so you're gonna take one point of bludgeoning damage. Um, <laughs> Imagine this knocks me out. This kills you. Yeah. <laughs> How are you looking? <laughs> Not good. <laughs> Not good. <laughs> like I'm limping, I'm bleeding, yeah. like I'm losing teeth. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I, I fucking grip on tight. I was like, can I can I help you in any way? It's fine. I'm much more concerned with the meal we're having later. Yes. Same. Uh, he's going to keep climbing up. And yeah, he uh, gets to the top. Toss me the rope, Kibble, please. <laughs> it's like still attached to his waist. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and he just tosses it down. <laughs> so they still have to climb it just with a rope, which would be immediately yeah. a little easier. But Yeah, uh, so you can make an athletics check with advantage. Uh, it's also going to be a different DC for mm-hmm. it, but yeah. Oh, cool. Eight. <laughs> Hmm, interesting. <laughs> I'll say you are very slow going here, yeah. and you're probably slipping a bunch and hitting your knees. It is very uncomfortable. Yeah. You get like about two thirds of the way up, and yeah, you can feel like your hands are exhausted mm-hmm. and you're starting to lose your grip a bit here. Okay. But you're you're still on. So I'll say one more athletics check, no longer at advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a straight athletic check to see if you can make this final bit exhausted, uh, hurting. Seven. <laughs> Seven. Unfortunately, you uh, can't. Uh, you start to slide, slide down. Just this pathetic little man, like bleeding and wounded, just keeps fucking sliding down. Yeah. Just help. <laughs> you slide down. Um, you can try to like stop yourself mm-hmm. on one of the statues again. 23. Yeah, you're able to get this and able to get a light touch on mm-hmm. it, right? Like feet on it. You don't hurt yourself on it. Mm-hmm. And Kivel says, um, just just tie the rope around yourself. I, I do this. <laughs> okay. Uh, and Kivel like kind of cracks his back, cracks his hand, and you see him just like start kind of power walking with the rope like around his waist, like power walking towards the entrance away from you. Yeah. And you just start getting dragged <laughs> up. I fully resign uh, and just lie down on the ground. It's, it's slow going. Uh, you drag up. You don't take any physical damage, but certainly um, <laughs> ego damage. A little bit of mental damage yeah. and ego damage. But uh, 
he is able to move along and get you up to the top. Okay. It does take a while, and he mm-hmm. takes a few breaks where you're kind of hanging uncomfortably. <laughs> but yeah, the two of you get to the top. I imagine like a Simpsons bit. Homer with like a rope tied underneath his arms and he's just getting dragged upward. Yeah. <laughs> this is you. Yeah. You are Homer Simpson. <laughs> and the two of you get to the top and see the exit of this Yay. cave. <laughs> what time of the day is it? At this point, it'd be like mid-afternoon. Okay. I want to make our way back to the uh, where we had camp. Okay. The two of you head back slowly, <laughs> gingerly, happy to have your lives. Yeah. And- Probably around sunset, you find your way back to the spot that you camped out. Okay. I'd like to check on the eyeballs. Uh, Both of them look in good condition. Mm -hmm. You know, they're starting to dry out a bit. Okay. But still blue and glowing. Right. I'd like to, like, roll them in a fabric to dry the, like, eye membrane and kind of just leave them out overnight to just fully dry out. Okay. Yeah. The two of you kind of sit. Uh, Kivel... It's usually a somewhat talkative person, especially at night, likes to run his poetry by you. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, he's just spent and tired and a little bit like thousand yard stare <laughs> from being like, did I kill those people? Like, yeah. did I, is this my fault? I want to light my pipe weed and mm-hmm. just start smoking and, and turn to Kivel and say, you did well in there, Tibbled. Thank you. Regardless of how many priceless statues you may or may not have destroyed. He gives a nod. <laughs> well, I hope the, this meal is worth it. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. And then I, I turn in for the night. All right. You benefit from a long rest, so all your stuff is back, uh, and you wake up and back at the camp. Kivel is awake when you get up and kind of just stoking the fire a bit. And yeah, as you check on your eyeballs, they seem dry. Okay. I would like to use like a mortar and pestle and just kind of turn the eyes into into a powder. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine that the powder like takes on the the coloration and the pigment of like the iris. So it's like this cool blue powder. Yep. I mix it with some salt and uh, I give it a taste. It is the strangest and one of the most pleasant tastes you've ever experienced. You can't really describe it or compare it to anything you've had before, but it does bring like a, a warmth. Mm-hmm. To you and and you are sure that this is you know the missing ingredient for the recipe that you dreamed of a small tear comes to my eye as i turn to kivel and i say kivel i found it i think that's where we should end this <laughs> i think so that's great <laughs> i think that's the perfect <laughs> button for it oh my gosh that was interesting yeah <laughs> i mean hey that i like close. i like the idea of uh you know, combat with a monster where no one knows how to fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even even the monster, yeah, even the monster I mean, fucking uh, sucks big, ass. Big veteran stats. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't. It didn't have huge pluses to hit. Right. And you have pretty good AC. Yeah, it was fifteen AC because uh, of yeah. the un- unarmored defense. Yeah, I think all but like one of its attacks mm-hmm. was below a ten for a roll. Wow. So yeah. Like, uh, that, that was pretty bad on its. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, well, hell yeah. That's awesome. To anyone still listening, thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate you. This was so much fun. I hope people enjoyed. Yeah. 
Um, we, you and I will have to have some conversations about the, the session yeah. in after the role and, and break down some of the things that happened Absolutely. and, uh, and the morality of killing statues. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We can debate, you know, when does life end? Is it murder? <laughs> is, 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 it, is it bad to kill a statue? Yeah. Um, Ethan, thank you so much. This is a blast. Thank you so much, Raz. Uh, I, I really appreciate you coming it. on. Yeah, no, this was great. I love the the podcast and I, I love your videos. It was awesome to be able to be a part of it. Hell yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, but yeah, if you'd like to listen to our conversation, you can check out the Patreon. Otherwise, you know, I hope you have a good day and or night and I'll see you in the next one. Kiss your friends. Yeah, kiss your friends. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right, it is that time again to check in on the heroes of Cortiel. First, we have Emmanuel Villop, a human wizard working as a private eye in the city of Tiport, who is currently investigating the Collar District to get to the bottom of who has been stealing trade supplies from the Port Guard. This has led him to the Loose Side Love, a tavern owned by the most knowledgeable man in Tiport, Darum. The tiefling man gave a long look at Emmanuel before pulling out a bottle of Denison whiskey, pouring four fingers worth, and sliding it over. Emmanuel closed his eyes and took a sip. It tasted awful, and it was exactly what he needed. What can you tell me about the port guard robberies? Darum leaned against the bar and gave a small smile. After all this time, you're back here on port guard duty? I thought you hung up that uniform. Emmanuel moved a hand to his pocket and felt the hilt of Morton's old dagger before shrugging. Old habits and whatnot. So, what can you tell me about them? Darum stood up tall. Well, I suppose that very much depends on what you have to offer me. After that, we have Virgil Bowerstone, a hill dwarf life cleric on a pilgrimage to North Faroth in order to seek counsel at the Temple of Sune about a peculiar book he found in the lair of an avalith. He got into the city late at night, and as he had nowhere else to go, he made his way onto the great dock and to the temple. The building stood on the water where it always had, but it was clear it had seen better days. Not many in North Fairf still held tight to the beliefs of Sune, so the temple was really left to the care of just a few, chief among them, Dalm Siliv, the closest thing the temple had to a priestess, and also the one who taught Virgil everything he knew. The temple smelled of wet wood. Part of the building had begun sinking into the lake. Dome knelt at the front of the temple, and as Virgil came in, she said softly, Come pray with me. Virgil walked over to her, took a knee, and gave a prayer to the goddess. After a polite amount of time had passed, he couldn't wait any longer, so he pulled out the book to show it to Dom. As he slid it over to her, her eyes widened in horror. Following that is Vern, a half-elven life cleric who has been serving the folks of Lowtown in Teldwith. After a day of providing magical healing to the people, he was followed by a mysterious and somewhat threatening figure, who after being discovered by Vern, simply said, I need you to come with me. Vern slowly turned toward the raspy voice to see a hooded man. Vern had come to know this type throughout his life. I have nothing of value for you to steal. Just let me pass, and the man drew a small blade. Vern thought back to the days before he had been blessed by his god, and he knew that there were really only two ways to deal with a man like this, and as he had already used up all of his power to help those in need, one of those options was no longer possible. So, he settled with the other. Well, let's go then. 
Then there is Pumpkin, a forest gnome running a detective agency in Belen who was just brought in by the man she has been investigating, Captain Braggart of the Lord's Guard, a man suspected by his own wife of being the Clearwater Killer. As soon as Pumpkin entered the room, the door closed behind her. Captain Braggart stood and motioned a hand towards a chair. Take a seat. Pumpkin looked at the chair and then over at her badger Snuffles, who was locked in a cage in the corner. In that moment, she knew she had to stand her ground, so she just went for it. C City Ordinance 54C states that pets are allowed to roam Bellin with or without their owners present as long as there is no sign of hostility toward any citizen. Did my badger accost anyone? Braggart looked confused for a moment and then furrowed his brow. No he replied. Then it would seem that you have unrightfully detained my pet, and I request that you free him Im Braggart interrupted. I found him in my attic. She didn't have a good response for that one. So she climbed in the chair to take a seat. Next is Keelan Damari, a mountain dwarf and former soldier who, after some clever convincing of the constable, was given a contract by the city of Teldwith to slay a red dragon he had encountered not too far from the city. He may have exaggerated just how close the beast had gotten, but he had done far worse over the years in order to get a job. He swung by a few shops, gathering supplies, most of them focused on things of the fire-resistant variety, and the next morning, he set back out. The walk to where the caravan had been attacked was quicker without having to worry about any others. When when he got there, the wagon was nothing but ash and metal. After a quick look around, he followed the gouge in the earth that the beast had left when it dragged away the half-elf who had seemingly appeared out of nowhere. When he reached the edge of the ravine where they had careened off of, he looked down. He scanned the area where they may have fallen and noticed a plume of smoke. But it clearly wasn't from a dragon. It was a campfire. It seemed like as good of a lead as any. So he pulled out his rope and began to plan a way down. Then we have Oceanus Waverly, a merfolk bard who in an effort to avoid what seemed to be military ships heading their way, decided to instead sail straight into a storm, a move dangerous in any circumstance, but one especially so when sailing a ship alone. As the waves began to get choppier, Oceanus began second-guessing themselves, but there was not much to be done about that now. The rain battered against the hull, wind whipped the sails back and forth, and lightning seemed to be just inches away from striking the mast. Through the use of Mage Hand as well as a selection of other useful spells, they were able to keep the ship afloat, for a time at least. In their fear of the unknown, they ignored the most important lesson they had learned as a child. Never underestimate the sea. And that was all they could think about as they were thrown into the water. After that, we have Aurora of Winter, a tabaxi paladin who has taken an oath of blindness in pursuit of serving justice. Finding herself in the center of a murder investigation of the Reese of a small hamlet, she whittled the suspects down to one, the Reese's son. Her accusation hung in the air as the sound of a knife quickly being drawn cut right through it. As he lunged toward her, she easily stepped to the side and with a single swipe knocked the blade out of his hand, leaving it to clatter against the ground. The next noise she heard was the sound of him falling to the floor and weeping. He, he wasn't the man people thought. He worshipped a dark goddess, one he planned to bring to this realm. I overheard him meeting with another of his cult, and they planned to sacrifice us all. Aurora paused for a moment to truly hear his words, and then said, if you're going to lie to me, you need to do a bit better than that. Lastly, we have Nizima Alta, a ratfolk fighter who just successfully led a heist on the Branian castle to free Lady Dryopatullus from a cell deep beneath the ground. She ran below the dark night sky, leaving the keep and the capital city far behind her. 
By the time the sun began to rise, she stood at an abandoned dock. She set the rat form of Dryad down, and after a few moments, the middle-aged half-elven woman stood in front of her, still with that same sense of regality, despite seeming a bit flustered by the whole ordeal. Next time you plan to turn me into a rat, maybe warn me first. She patted down her hair. Nazima knew the two would never meet again, so all she gave was a small nod. They waited, and soon after, a ship crested into view. The lady spoke again. I know this is when you're supposed to get your payment and go off into the sunset or whatnot, but I had another idea. Nazima looked at Lady Batullus and slowly moved a hand toward her belt. I could use someone like you who can get in and out of a place unseen. Who can get me in and out of a place unseen. You've proven yourself quite valuable, and in addition to the payment for my escape, I can offer you far more as my right-hand woman of sorts. Nazima stared at her for a long moment. So, what do you say? And that is it. Along with the heroes of Cortia, I'd also like to thank the citizens of Allhearth, who are currently navigating what to do about an army marching through their lands. Those expected at the meeting are Adustus, Ethan Hill, Fiduge, Grizzly Melon, Jack Weird, Joachim Dahlquist, Merrick 16, Ming, Nursebone, Phil Emarg, Preston Metters, Ruka, Seth Flores, Travis Croats, and Zach Smith. May you make the best choice to keep Allhearth safe. Have a good one. Bye.